Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler Patterson and Michael Remus. Uh, hey, what's going on, everyone? It is draft day in the National Hockey League. The first round goes tonight. The entire hockey world is gathering in Montreal, and we are all over it for the next couple hours, talking Winnipeg Jets and looking ahead to tonight's first round. Of course, part of the uh, procedures that go along with the uh, draft is the general manager's meetings and usually some availability from the GMs. And, of course, Jets general manager Kevin Sheveldayoff spoke yesterday afternoon after the conclusion of Winnipeg Sports Talk. We'll have a number of clips from Chevy uh, alluding to um, these next few days, certainly the draft as well, and potential player moves for the Winnipeg Jets. We'll get to all that. Brandon Rewick, he's going to join us a little later on, and we will have our final draft preview segment with NHL dot com managing deputy editor adam kimmelman who's going to join us a little later on in the program we'll just discuss his mock draft and a number of the players that will be hearing their names called when we're not sure but most likely tonight in the first round of the nhl draft and of course we'll get to some of the manitobans that will be flying off the board whether it be tonight or tomorrow as well um, so uh, lots to get to today. We will talk a little bit more about the Jets' schedule, which uh, dropped literally as we were finishing the program yesterday. So a busy, busy show today before tonight's first round. By the way, I will mention, I'm going to jump on for a little bit with the IC boys tonight. They're going to be doing a little watch-along uh, stream for the draft. Um, that'll probably come by you know, around 6.20 or so. I think they'll be getting going at 6 o'clock. So uh, if you're uh, if you're jonesing for some more Jets content tonight, drop into the IC stream and uh, I'll be doing as well for a little while tonight. Um, hey, big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Of course, our friends at Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health, Aikens Lake, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Breezy Ben, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting partners over at CoolBet Canada. We'll hit the CoolBet lines later on and see what we've still got for the National Hockey League draft. Dustin Nielsen and I went over some of our picks yesterday in the uh, on the lock shop. And uh, as of right now, still looking like uh, it's going to be Shane Wright as the number one overall pick. Certainly that's what the bookies think, although that certainly is not what all of the scouts think. Um, so let's get to it. Let's get Michael Remus in here and get this show on the road. Exciting times around the hockey world right now. Reem, we've got a couple of signings and a pretty interesting trade made earlier today. And I think many people believe that that is just the start of what's to come over the course of this afternoon heading into tonight's round one. I'm having a tough time keeping up with all these trade rumors here um, and tra actual transactions that we've had, not just rumors. Sorry. Um, we did have two this morning. Uh, first of all, the Edmonton Oilers announced they have released their old orange ugly jersey, got rid of it, put it on waivers forever, and they've replaced Sent it to the minors. And they've replaced it with uh, the classic, the classic blue look. Uh, they put it in a nice, a nice video here. That was the first transaction of the morning. Here, I'll, I'll bring it. Well, and, and that's to you, I'm sure that that has gotten. I mean, we can talk about Latang and Georgiev and some of the other players mentioned in and around, but. The amount of times that you have come on this show and bitched about the, at leg, justifiably so, I backed it 100%. Yeah. The Oilers jerseys the last few years have been an absolute disaster, and they've been staring some of the best unis in the uh, in the league in the face. So they're going back to the classic. Um, you know, it's a similar. Listen, the Jets 
regular jerseys are 10 times better than what the Oilers have been working uh, working with the last couple seasons. But I will say this. I think if you pulled most fans, I bet it would be like 90% that prefer the Heritage ones. And obviously we saw some more of them last year and hopefully we'll see uh, plenty more of that this season. But uh, great move by the Oilers moving to these jerseys. Maybe the biggest no-brainer of the offseason in the, in yeah, the NHL. Yeah, yeah, biggest no-brainer. Yeah, <laughs> Oilers is already on their way. We'll see what they do with Pugliarvi, but in, in my good books. And then we had um, the Latang signing. Six years, uh, 6.1 million, I believe. And he's 35 years old. It's going to take, he turned 35 in April. I look, he's not like turning 36 next month or anything. So it's going to take him until he's 41. He's pretty good now, but I do wonder what this means long term. But they're giving him the long term deal at a lower AAV. Well, exactly. So they, I mean, yeah. you were you were digging in. I believe it was what Evolving Wild or Evolving Hockey, one Evolving of those analytics Ho- sites yeah. that you know do a pretty good job of estimating what the value of players would be on the open market. Um, and Chris Letang, you were thinking, you know, with his age, is probably coming in around eight million dollars on a three-year deal. So I think, I mean, my, my take on this deal, Remus, is that it is a calculated risk down the road for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, at 40 years old or at 41 years old, is Crystal Tang still going to be playing? And he's still going to be playing at a level worth of worth $6.1 million? Probably not. This is one of those legacy contracts that we've talked about. Um, but in the short term, they keep a very important player of their hockey club. And I think it allows them the salary cap flexibility in the next few years to hopefully bring back Geno Malkin and, keep a good portion of the team together. Ron Hextall said that he hoped he'd be leaving Montreal with a deal for Chris Letang. He got it, um, and it gives them a little bit more certainty as to what that means. As I said, what it also means is probably eating a year or two later on. And I do believe with him being over 35, um, you know, like this is going to be on the cap one way or the other because of the way the CBA works for players over 35 signing extensions. Yeah, I agree. They're trying to win now. They give him a longer deal, keep that AAV down. You know, maybe you pay overpay for a couple years down the road, but you hope the salary cap goes up and it doesn't cost you too bad. Um, so we'll we'll see. I, I get the move, and hopefully they do get out of the first round because it's been a struggle for them in the playoffs the last couple of years. No doubt about it. Hey, shout out to Ben Lawrence. Ben, thank you very much. Always love having Ben in and uh, very active in the chat. One of the members of the channel and uh, just dropped a $10 super chat in manifesting a Chevy trade. And, you know, it's funny. I uh, I was just checking in with a couple of the guys uh, covering the Winnipeg Jets in uh, in Montreal right now. And um, just hearing back that there is a lot of chatter in and around about Blake Wheeler uh, for sure. Could happen potentially tonight, but nothing concrete. And, you know, I think that's not unique to Blake Wheeler's situation. Although, uh, the minute we saw Wheeler emerge as number three on that trade list um, a week or two ago from Frank Saravelli Remo, I think we knew that Blake Wheeler would certainly be the center of um, plenty of discussions of the Winnipeg Jets, whether they could um, facilitate a trade involving the captain and what that trade looks like. I mean, I don't know how many times I've asked that question or we've talked about it. You know, is there another piece going forward with it? to move the contract off, and then where does that leave you? Because Blake Wheeler, I mean, sure, it might not be great value at $8.25 million, but still a pretty productive player. And then obviously what that does to the leadership group. So for many reasons, I think things are pointing in the direction that Wheeler will be moved 
um, whether that happens tonight or over the course of the weekend, I guess will remain to be seen. Now, we're going to focus in on the Jets and kind of hear what Sheveldayoff had to say and bounce off a number of those topics, the two of us. And then, of course, Rowicki's going to jump on a little later on. There was a trade, though, in the National Hockey League earlier today that has already been completed. Um, and I'm not sure whether Joe Sackick even bothered showing up in Montreal or whether he's already on a plane home. Um, but Alexander Gorgiev, the uh, backup goaltender behind Ilya Shesterkin, is now a member of the Colorado Avalanche, which certainly telegraphs that Darcy Kemper will be going to the market with a Stanley Cup ring after being the guy for the Colorado Avalanche. But Remo, I was quite interested in the return for this deal. Um, a third and fifth round selection in this year's draft and a third round pick in the 2023 draft. And the Colorado Avalanche have Alexander Gorgiev. And I would imagine that the Stanley Cup champs are going to run it back with Francois and Gorgiev, who is an RFA right now. They'll be able to get him at a somewhat a reasonable number. And what an opportunity for a young man that was pretty much blocked behind Ilya Shesterkin now going to the best team in the, in the National Hockey League in the Stanley Cup champs. Yeah, I really like this trade for Colorado. Darcy Kemper, um, you know, he had a great year for them. He, he wants going to be UFA, probably cost at least, I think, $6 million. Georgiev's an RFA, cost, will cost them probably about two and a half to sign him. Uh, should it to Evolving Hockey for their uh, contract projections. But the Colorado Avalanche, seems like there was a bidding war. They're like, look, we'll throw in uh, three picks. Maybe it's a lot, of, a lot of picks here. I know the Rangers use, what, three picks to bring in, you know, three different players um, around the deadline, you know, they use them who betrayed. Well, yeah, I mean, we've and, got this. I mean, this is the, the tweet from Hockey Stat Miner. And you yeah. know what someone was saying? Sackett got the only NHL player in this trade and likely his number one goalie for basically nothing. Yeah. And listen, and that was my first reaction. I'm like, I was Same. stunned that there wasn't, it wasn't a higher price to pay. Um, but as the miner mentions on Twitter, and this is a great point, the third and another third and a fifth is essentially what the Rangers paid to get Mott, Vetrano, and Braun last trade deadline. And, you know, all those players at times were, especially Vetrano, were important contributors to the Rangers' run to the conference finals. Um, and in some ways, I think they sort of knew that this was going to be a chip that they were going to play. They didn't play it beforehand, but, you know, in a lot of ways, they get back what they gave up at the deadline um, so some pretty interesting GMing by the gang over in uh, New York after such a strong playoff run and high hopes going into next season. Yeah, the Rangers are looking to uh, get some more picks because, as you said, they traded them away. Colorado's looking for a goalie who's you know cost-controlled, who could be effective. So um, this kind of reminds me of the Devontae Taves trade from last year. They traded two huh. picks to Devontae's. My reaction there was like, how did, how did no one else want to get in on this? And uh, maybe there's a ton of other goalies available. We're hearing rumors about Matt Murray. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury's a free agent. Husso's looking for a big contract. Jack Campbell as well. Uh, so, But I, I like this move for Colorado. Again, co you, low cost. You hope he can be the guy uh, there. And if he's not, they can, you know, they'll make another trade. But for Colorado, they are the definition of all-in. They have two, two picks, okay, in the sixth round and the seventh round. So... Like, I don't know what Joe Sackett, like, will he even show up to the table to be on TV? He'll just be doing interviews the whole time. And who cap friendly put this out about their picks the next couple of years. Like they got 10 picks. So here's, this is, look at this tweet from cap friendly us. Yes. They, uh, in the next three years, they have 10 draft picks 
and only two of them are in the first three rounds. Six of them are in the sixth and seventh rounds. So they they have their first round pick at least in the next, you know, not this year, but the two years after. So you have to think, you know, if they're going for it again this year, they are probably trading those. So it kind of reminds me of the Rams in uh, in the NFL. They traded all their picks. <laughs> great, great analogy, say. If it, didn't, if, uh, didn't the GM of the Rams show up at the deadline with the T-shirt that said "F them picks"? Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's they, what Sackick's saying right now to this they, to the entire draft operation. They won, so I mean, who needs draft picks when you win? And I think they do. They will have some cap oh, space available. T. Will, great point. Sackick will show up just so everyone can congratulate yeah, him. Sorry, that for sure. There's going to be plenty of grand congratulations. He should just be sitting at the draft table with like no papers, nothing, and a big bottle of champagne, a bunch of flutes. That would be the biggest, the biggest flex in NHL draft history. Showing up with no picks and just drinking champagne the uh, the entire night. Hey, by the way, uh, Colorado Lowe's, thank you very much for the support. Another uh, a draft day super chat in here. Jet fans trying to manifest uh, some big moves. Uh, with uh, with the karma karma jar here on uh, on Winnipeg Sports Talk, um, so yeah, those were the two big moves today. One move that actually was made, and again, this gets back to you know the no trade um, clauses in so many contracts, which is certainly problematic for many small markets. Hello, right here, Winnipeg, Manitoba, um, but also for Buffalo. And it sounds like the Ottawa Senators had a deal to move Matt Murray to the Buffalo Sabres. Um, I believe that there was going to be an extra asset going to Buffalo to essentially take the last two years and I believe something like 15 million bucks off of the uh, off the cap. But Murray, as is his right in his contract, has had Buffalo on the no trade list, did not want to take it. So um, Pierre Dorian is uh, back to square one as uh, opposed to what they're going to do uh, with that. There was quite a bit of interesting news before we get to the draft um, about, you know, potential deals with goaltenders. And Marc-Andre Fleury's been right at the top of the list. And listen, our guy, still number one in the power poll, the People's Insider, Kevin Weeks, reporting that the Flower had a one-year deal done with the Minnesota Wild. That is not the case. Uh, it sounds like the Flurry folks are demanding at least a two-year deal. And it just shows how the rest of the insiders are so threatened by the people's insider, Kevin Weeks, because <laughs> it didn't take very long before. Drager was all over it, saying that this wasn't the case. I think Frank, although we love Frank, getting in on it as well. Um, and Weeks then did say, hey, there's a lot of things happening right now. He owned it, went forward. So right now, no deal for Marc-Andre Fleury in Minnesota right now. He's looking for two years. Um, and I guess sometimes at this point of year, you might be getting some iffy information. And in today's day and age, it gets out pretty quickly. Yeah, the, you got to know the insider game. There is Gregor, uh, his tweet, uh, sorry, podcast listeners. But um, classic subtweet, by yeah, the way. Cla- classic. Own up at the man if you want to take a shot at him. Actually, Dreger took a shot at uh, Munns uh, yesterday. Hey, on we're Twitter. definitely here for that. We're definitely Brian, here for Brian that. Munns. No subtweet there. Uh, Brian Munns <laughs> posting a golf a golf picture, and Dreger's like, "Did you hit that one in the water?" I had a good chuckle yesterday. So yeah, I would say as far as rumors go, stick to your traditional blue check mark insiders. I know LeBron uh, tweeting quite a bit. Dreger, Kevin Weeks, Frank Cervalli, who else? Chris Johnston. There's there's many. Many out there. So rumors are flying around. 
great to see so many people in chat. This is going to be a really, a really T-Will, fun week. T. Will, I'm not sure that I could be cl- classified as butthurt, whatever that means, that uh, that Weeksy was wrong. I did just find it interesting that, you know, sometimes people will say something that is not entirely correct and it just sort of let go. It's quite obvious that he's threatening the uh, the establishment, if you will. There's a new guy in the game, and uh, people were quite quite quick to uh, to jump on him for uh, being wrong on this one. That being said, he gets a mulligan from me. I don't think butthurt is the uh, is the best way to do it. Well, I- we got a lot of love for Kevin Weeks, Ke- and I think he's been amazing, an amazing addition to the insider game, if you want to call it. Well, Kevin Weeks did tweet out that talk at uh, the decision was his. But then we had heard other reports that an offer was never made talking for the Jets job. I'm not sure if he declined the job and they just didn't report that because they don't want to report the Jets getting turned down by everyone. I don't but- know. Listen, I, don't, I, I, I do believe that that wasn't the case. And, and listen, I have no idea. Um, we haven't heard and certainly it hasn't been reported by anybody close to the situation of, you know, how they went, from, how Rick mm-hmm. Tockett was reported potentially, of, you know, the guy and then went to Rick Bonus. Um, I, to be honest, wouldn't all be surprised if, and some of the way that this information gets passed out through text messages and stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, honest to God, it could have been just said, Rick, and people made a made a poor assumption. Um, I did hear, though, I think that there was some worries as things went forward that maybe Rick Tockett was sort of leveraging whether it was interest in Winnipeg or any of the other jobs in the National Hockey League to get a better deal with TNT. And this goes back to your premise at the beginning remus when yep. rick talkett was mentioned well, wait a second why would rick talkett make that move it's the same thing i i say and i realize why people have so much respect for jennifer botterill as do i um but they're saying oh you know every team should hire jennifer botterill as an assistant gm who if i'm jennifer botterill am i leaving the panel the profile the job that she's got right now to go be a i don't want to call it a lackey for a gm but to be an assistant in the National Hockey League? I mean, until I hear Jennifer Botterill on the record say, this is my dream, I want to run a hockey team, this is where I want to go, I'm staying on Hockey Night in Canada and on Sportsnet because she's such an important part of that broadcast right now. I think she's in a far better situation. And when she does, if she does want to make a move into management, Every year that she continues to show her incredible hockey knowledge on the tube will just help her, I think, get a better deal and a better position going forward. But uh, these TV gigs are pretty sweet. Yeah, a um, couple of things here about, uh, you know, women on uh, getting hockey ops jobs, though. The Kings did announce today Menon Rayome was added as a, a hockey operations and prospect adv- advisor. So nice to hear that. And I agree with you. I know I see a lot of people in chat saying the Jets had hired Jen Bottle. Do we even know if she wants to? I'm not saying it would be good or bad. Does she said that she wants to do that? So I don't. I've never heard that. I mean, I think but, just people just assume that that it, like yeah. I don't think people realize what those jobs are like compared to the job that she's got right now as an analyst. I mean, listen, if you're a lifelong hockey coach, and you know, like the Maurice, yeah, okay, you you know, you sit down for three or four months on the panel when you get fired and you charm everybody and you remind everyone that you still apparently know what you're talking about and you get another job, but for Jen, who's got a family, who has um, you know I- impeccable credentials when it comes to her career, um, I think she's got a ton of choices. But to be honest with you, I'm not sure there's many better options right now than what she's got right now. 
Um, but as I said, I'll tell you right now, if Jennifer Botterill wanted an assistant general manager's job right now or something like that, whether it was here in Winnipeg or elsewhere in the National Hockey League, she would get it. And um, maybe that happens down the road. But right now, she's pretty damn good on television. And uh, I think people are appreciating her more and more every time she gets on the panel. And she's not just doing it in Canada, too. She's doing it in the United States as well. So I'm um, probably making a pretty good buck doing that as well. Yeah, one thing, uh, just as we wrap up our Jets discussion, uh, Paul Friesen had this interview with Scott Arneal in the Winnipeg Sun yesterday that I read. And, you know, Murata Tesh of The Athletic tweeted, you know, that Scott Arneal was a lock to be uh, on the Jets coaching staff. I guess Scott didn't read, it seemed like Scott didn't read the, uh, the tweet from Murata, and it was a surprise to him when he got the call from, uh, from Rick Bonus. So, I think it just shows you how much all this stuff is really under wraps. But Murat was was definitely on that, and he he for sure nailed it. And Murat has also been on the uh, he was here. Well, and he never backed off that either. Like credit where credit is due to Murat, because there was a lot of pushback and there was a lot of things that were happening. uh, You know, I think around the coaching search, Uh, but he was pretty emphatic about that when he made it. We've talked to him a number of times, and he never backed off, and he was right. So credit where credit is due. Um, um, that was a great piece on uh, on Arnie as well. I'm really looking forward to seeing him back. I mean, the one thing I'll say about Bonus and Arneal, um, and I'll tell you what, if they can get, and if Nolan Baumgartner's part of the mix working on the defense, um, you know, the proof will be in the pudding as to what they can do on the ice. But I'll tell you what, those are great, great people. And I know, you know, Arneal personally from my time with the Moose and, you know, dealt with him in some other ways. I mean, just a... Uh, a phenomenal person, Nolan Baumgartner, the exact same way. And although I don't have the you know experience with Rick Bonus, um, ask anyone in the hockey world that's crossed paths with him. So uh, as far as people, they've done a pretty damn good job of putting that group together, and you know hopefully that helps the culture of this team that desperately needs to be uh, maybe shined up a little bit. All right, um, a couple things. We're going to get to Shovel Day off in a minute, um, but. Let's remote quickly talk about the uh, the Manitobans in this draft tonight. Um, and I know Adam Kimmelman's going to jump on a little bit later on. And we've spent a lot of time talking about the guys from the ice. Matthew Savoy, who I still expect to be a top 10 pick tonight. Connor Geeky, the big center from Strathclaire, that could be available at 14 for the Winnipeg Jets. would be very interesting if he is there, if the, uh, if the Jets make a jump to uh, take a Manitoban. And then a guy I'm looking forward to talking to Kimmelman about is Denton Matejchuk, um, who, of course, is, I guess, from Dominion City. He played for Eastman, you know, as a younger player. And, and you know, because of this break, well, last year, and you know, the, the, the ruined season, with the exception of the bubble, really just finished his first year in the, uh, in the Western Hockey League. Um, all three of which could very well be first-round picks tonight. Um, and, of course, we can't forget that Craig Button mocked Geeky to the Jets at 14 and Matejchuk to the Jets at 30th. Now, you want the best players and you want these guys to turn out, and all of these picks are far from a sure thing. Uh, but considering the history of the Winnipeg Jets and the way they've drafted, um, wouldn't be the worst thing to get a couple guys with some local ties to the club, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, we thought it was going to happen last year when Carson Lambos was on the board and the Jets uh, you know, went with... Chaz Lucius instead, and uh, Lambos went to Minnesota. So we'll see if it happens this year. You know, Geeky would be a good fit for the Jets' center. You know, we've seen a lot of center drama this offseason. So, and again, big guy. 
you know, you said the team needed some size. Now, look, you're drafting for a couple of years down the road, but Manitoban would be a fit. We haven't seen a Manitoban drafted in the first round by the Jets, even when there have been available. Um, Chevy was asked about that, actually, as if you want to run that, that clip. But uh, as far as Manitobans, uh, Owen Pickering uh, from Swift Current. Uh, what He was 15th on uh, Central Scouting North American Skaters. And you were mentioning to me, Adam Ingram, who was with Youngstown of the United States Hockey League. He's looking to be, what, a second, third round pick. And that's Derek Ingram's son. Yeah, you know what? I was just texting with uh, Derek and, uh, you know, regular listeners here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And when we talk golf, especially with the big events are involving the Canadians, uh, we'll often lean on Derek Ingram, who has been the coach of Canada's national team and has worked with Corey Connors and Mackenzie Hughes and so many of these top young Canadian players. Um, but yeah, his son um, played with the Selkirk Steelers last season, played in the USHL for Kyle Connors, former team, uh, the Youngstown Phantoms, um, ended up leading the league in scoring. And he could be picked anywhere between, you know, probably the middle rounds. I mean, uh, potentially early on Friday in the second round, um, but possibly third, fourth, fifth. Um, there's good piece in the uh, in the Winnipeg Sun uh, by Billick who, um, you know, talked to all of them. And, and you know, Adam in particular said that, you know, he, uh, you know, with everything that he and these players have been through, I mean, they realize that there's nothing, by far nothing is a sure thing. And even getting drafted is a great opportunity, uh, but that is just the beginning of it. I'll say this, though, knowing Derek and the job he's done preparing athletes for incredible high-stress pressure situations and, um, you know, what the players have said that he's done for him. He's got a pretty damn good coach in his own house as far as preparing him for these moments. So um, very cool to see him, possibly. There's a couple other players as well. Um, Denton Matejchuk, as we mentioned. Owen Pickering from St. Adolph from the Swift Current Broncos. He looks to be selected as well. And then a three Manitoba netminders um, who hope to be called Winnipegger Tyler Brennan, who is the top-ranked American goalie playing for the Prince George Cougars, Reed Dick of Winkler with the Swift Current Broncos, and Matthew Keeper from Winnipeg playing for the Regina Pats. So um, I imagine the majority of those names will come off the board Friday, um, but between Geeky, Matejchuk, and of course the Winnipeg ice player Matthew Savoy, probably the first of all three, there will be some Manitoba flavor in this first round tonight. Yeah, and I do have the clip here. Chevy did hold uh, what is media scrum that uh, Mike McIntyre attended right uh, after his appearance here, and he was asked about the Manitobans. So here, let me just uh, fire this clip up. Yeah, you know the draft is so unpredictable. We've never, you know, you've you've never really looked at uh, the region or the logistics of of where players from. Certainly, when it comes to you know just being in Canada or in the U.S., um, you know, again, we talked a little bit about you know Russians. Some teams will choose to you know do some different things when it comes to uh, European players and stuff like that. But but as far as uh, you know, when it comes down to the final pick, we're we're not going to look at um, at the you know the nationality, so to speak, or the region or anything like that. So. Uh, Again, it's unpredictable, and, and we'll just see how the list falls. All right, there's Kevin Sheveldayoff on that. We've actually got more from Sheveldayoff coming up. We've got a number of clips that we'll kind of uh, jump around to before Brandon jumps on with us in a few minutes. Hey, while I'm doing that, I um, do want to thank our friends at Wallace & Wallace. Great service. They got Remo's garage door cooking in uh, in no time. And, uh, you know, listen, They not only do they are the uh, fencing specialists in town, 
and the best spot for overhead doors. But many of you thinking, oh, maybe that boathouse out on the lake, um, they're also the leader in boathouse doors. In fact, if you see one that's catching your eye, it's out on the lake, it's probably one of theirs. Um, they've got, you can choose between a steel or aluminum board, a door, polycarbonate, glass panels are a design that's perfect for your little piece of paradise. And with galvanized tracks and springs to protect against rust, you know their doors are built to stand up to the challenges of life at the lake. And hey, speaking of the showroom, I mean, you can check them out on uh, wallacedoors.com or you can check out the uh, the showroom on Lawson Road. And speaking of that, if you have a tennis ball hanging in your garage to keep your bumper from bumping, we've got a special offer just for our Winnipeg Sports Talk listeners. Um, first 50 people swing by 90 Lawson Road and you'll receive a free LiftMaster Laser Garage Parking Assist. Just head down there, ask for Haley or one of the gang, tell them Huss and Remo sent you from Winnipeg Sports Talk for your free LiftMaster Laser Garage Parking Assist. And, uh, of course, they are online at Wallace Fences and WallaceDoors.com and uh, over at 90 Lawson Road. Um, Andrew and the gang at F Apparel. Busy right now. Wedding season. A lot of their suits are coming in. If you've waited, uh, don't wait any longer. You got to get ready for fall and, uh, you know, the winter season. Of course, the F custom suits begin at just $400. But right now, until the end of July, you can get three custom shirts for as little as 210 bucks, And the dress shirts are delivering in just three to four weeks. Uh, and, of course, chinos, golf pants, accessories, shirts, ties, and more. They've got it all. Pop down and see them at 190 Smith Street downtown or check out everything F can do for you online at F. That's E-P-H apparel.com. Uh, the gang at Aikens Lake is busy these days pulling monsters out of the water. We're going to head out there a little later on this summer. Cannot wait to do that. And we'll certainly have some great content up on the Winnipeg Sports Talk social feeds from there. But if you are thinking about um, an amazing getaway in Winnipeg at a fly-in lodge where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the spot. And as good as the fishing is, the people are even better. Aikenslake.com online or check them out on all the socials at Aikens Lake. And, uh, of course, Vita Health has been a great partner of ours. We were out there for the barbecue a couple weeks ago at the new store at Linden Ridge. Um, and speaking of barbecues, if you are entertaining over the course of the summer, pop down to Vita Health before you do anything. I mean, you'll get the best selection of local organic and natural grocery supplements and beauty products, all at great prices. Uh, but for entertaining, an amazing selection of non-alcoholic drinks, which uh, might be appreciated by some of your guests, especially the ones that are driving. Um, and some really cool, unique things to put on the grill, including lean bison burgers and bison steaks, and of course, chicken. Pop down and see them at any of their seven Winnipeg locations. Vita Health Fresh Market. And by the way, you can check out their fully shoppable website at myvita.ca. All right, Reem. Um, why don't we hear a little bit more from Chevy? Because uh, I know you did a great job of cutting it up. We weren't able to carry it yesterday, and it was sort of after the program. But I know many of our listeners, before we sort of talk about this uh, with each other and with Brandon, be interested to hear what the general manager had to say. Um, maybe so take it right up to the top. And um, Chevy Dayoff was asked to sort of fill uh, fill everyone in as best as he can a day before the draft on what their list looks like. Uh, you know, when you get to the point that we're at, you're, you're drafting off your list. Um, you know, you spend a lot of times in your meeting breaking ties, and, and that's what your scouting meetings are all about. Is, is uh, you know, the, the, it might be fractional, it might be marginal, but when you're you know drafting in the first round, you're, you're looking for the best you know best player available, and and um, the ties are broken. You know, when you you have the arm wrestling competitions in the in the. Uh, 
in the um, scouting meetings. Yeah. Did, did you see anyone particular in the back there, Remus? Gary Lawless, scrum lurker uh, Gary know, in the, the point- in the back of all this. Is <laughs> can we get a telestrator where we can just do a big circle around Gary? <laughs> Let's see. He is Crim's right behind Chevy right there. And again, this is the you know the general manager meeting sort of finish up. All the scribes and media people hang around waiting for a few crumbs from the GMs. They usually don't get very much, but, uh, you know, they're able to ask all of their questions. So great to see our guy, Gary. Gary will actually be back in these parts after the draft. We'll look forward to, maybe we'll have to do something in person with them on WST. Um, that being said, one of the big topics uh, around this draft, and we've talked about it with many of the scouts and many of the experts, is the just disparaging opinions on so many of these players. And a huge part of it is the fact that scouting has been so difficult over the last few years due to COVID with a number of games canceled. Luckily they've had the first full year of play, um, but there's been a lot of catching up to do for a lot of scouts on a lot of players. And Sheffield Dayoff was asked about the scouting this year, as opposed to the last two seasons that were so uh, disjointed by the pandemic. Well, I don't know if it, it's any different this year, but I do think that the um, there's going to be a spray, so to speak, I think, off of everyone's list, uh, you know, after the first couple of picks. I think that, you know, there's there's the, the people that the, everyone's talking about it right at the top end. But then I think uh, everyone's list is really going to spray as far as, you know, what they're looking for, what they value, what they what they perceived. And, and you know, we're still still in a little bit of a you know COVID era scouting type of thing at the beginning of the year and stuff like that and uh you know some some different uh, COVID situations that maybe some guys didn't get scouted in the same fashion as some other guys so um i, I you know again not so much the um uh, you know I th- the, the arguments so to speak as to who should go there with internally it's more so i think everyone's internal organi- organizational lists are going to be different all right, and there's uh, Shovel Day off on that. And by the way, have we had a return uh, a return visit from Remus's mute button? If we're good, uh, don't worry about it. You're it's back. Edited, you're back. It's edited out. It's fine. Oh. <laughs> Podcast listeners won't even notice. Uh, that's okay. We just have to have some fun with the YouTube. The minute I see the, the minute I see the mute button coming into the chat, we always get a bit of a uh, laugh on it. But Remo, this is real, and you know, I think we've had. If there's one thing that there has been a consensus on, it has been just how different some of the draft boards will look from team to team. And I think not only part of it is also is what Chevaldeoff just mentioned, some of the challenges with scouting. I think the other part of it is the fact that, you know, you've got, you know, a couple players that are in the mix for the top, you know, top few picks, but you know, you've got a secondary tier of players. Um, that are all very, very close. And, you know, some teams will have a guy in the top 10 and others might have him as a second rounder. Yeah, and that's why you go up and you they talk to the media after the pick. Well, we can't believe where we got this guy. Oh, man, we had him ranked way higher on our list. And I think that's true um, with Cole Perfetti, uh, what, last year? Or, sorry, uh, that's two years ago. Yeah, Chaz was, last year? was last year. Chaz, man, my, my timelines. Chaz. My timeline's uh, all messed up. Yeah, Cole Perfetti two years ago. So uh, we'll wait and see uh, what happens. But I am expecting a lot of GMs very happy with the picks that they made. Uh, um, here's a little bit more from Chevy. And, of course, everything that we are wondering right now and expecting at some point there will be some significant player move on this roster uh, was asked about uh, trades and the potential trades happening heading into tonight. 
You know, we talked about that today a little bit, just uh, in our own internal, uh, you know, meetings and, and conversations. And, and uh, you know, it's interesting when you when you like a guy and he's there. You know, do you take that chance in, in a uh, in a situation like this where? You know, you don't know what the, the person drafting, you know, right after you really, really chooses. So um, I, I think in a where, you, where it's generally accepted or generally, you know, felt that the, there's a, a variety of lists, um, you know, I, I do think it, uh, it might lead to maybe less trades, but you know, I'm just speculating. Yeah, uh, there has been, speaking of speculation, there has been some speculation that, you know, you might see maybe some more moving up and moving down. And, and Reem, you know, this is a phenomenon that I think really started in the National Football League. I mean, I can think back to previous drafts, I mean, years ago, where there was, you know, almost no movement up and down in the National Hockey League draft. There has been more of that over the last few years, and certainly Jet fans will remember the Jets moving up um, a few picks to to get to 16 to grab Logan Stanley when they did in the, in the Line A draft year. Um, so... Whether that will happen, Jimmy Johnson, though, he was the guy that wrote the book on that. He had his draft chart value board. Um, and we all remember the infamous Herschel Walker trade with the Minnesota Vikings and how that set them up for success through that dynasty period. I'm not sure we'll get any deals like that. Um, but I do think that, you know, you might have some teams, depending on how the draft falls, especially maybe outside of the first 15 picks, but like the bottom half of that first round, Players that, you know, were top 10 players on a particular team's list still available. The cost might not be what they thought it would be and jump at the opportunity to to snag that selection. Well, one team that's really trying to get into the first round right now are the Chicago Blackhawks. And we did have this tweet, but right before we started from Mark Lazarus, us, um, the Blackhawks are still actively trying to trade Alex to Brinkett to get into the first round tonight. At this point, the sense I get is it'd be a bigger surprise if they didn't trade him than if they did. So um, that is definitely a team to watch if you want to look for trades um, heading into tonight. Well, I mean, you throw up the numbers of, I mean, Debrinkat is a two-time 40-goal scorer, like 28 goals in his rookie season, 41 in his sophomore season, and another 41 last year in a career-high 78 points. Now, He's been playing, you know, often with Patrick Kane. Um, but this is a player that, you know, inexplicably fell to the second round. I guarantee if you're redrafting the 2016 draft, um, you know, Alex Debrinkat is a hell of a lot higher than he was eventually picked. But the fact that the Blackhawks are trading him to some people go, well, were they nuts? I mean, this isn't a very good team. Why in the world would you trade one of your best players and most, you know, lethal scorers? I think it just speaks to where they're at right now as a team. Listen, they've got the big investment in Seth Jones long-term, but outside of that, this roster is going to look significantly different two and three years down the road. And paying Alex Dabrinkat big money and not getting the assets back that he would garner on the trade market certainly doesn't seem to be the way the Chicago Blackhawks are going. So, um, you know, you know that Arizona Coyotes are in a big rebuild right now. The Chicago Blackhawks, if they weren't already, are going to be even more in more of a rebuild right now. And listen, never mind Alex Dabrinkat. Where does Patrick Kane start the season next year? Does he finish his contract with the Hawks? Or might there be a taker, albeit with that big, what, $10.5 million salary? Uh, because unlike Jonathan Taves, who really has sort of seen the law of diminishing returns come in, 
Patrick Kane, still one of the more productive players in the league coming off a 92-point season with the Blackhawks last year. You'd know there'd be a huge value, although I think it might be more likely that Kane's a deadline deal so teams can sort of handle that salary a little bit more than having it on the books for the entire season. Yeah, that's definitely a team to watch, and I did see what Seth Jones's name flowing around there. They made that trade last year. Part of the uh, reason why they don't have a first-round pick. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think it was the right trade for a team that's uh, now looking to rebuild. Um, you know, the player they did trade away, Adam Boquist, did sign a deal uh, yesterday with Columbus, too. So, you know, players signing contracts, trades, rumors, everything is happening here. Uh, he, broke it himself. he broke it himself did by he? tweeting. All he did was tweet, CBJ. And then... Well, and then the insiders and I, everyone else got the uh, got the details okay. on it. But a three-year deal at like 2.6, I think. Uh, I got to double-check that exact number. But speaking of players tweeting out, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko was on the <laughs> Frank Valley's trade board yesterday. Um, and he put out a tweet today of, like, here it is. This is what, uh, what Tarasenko put out. I don't know what this means. What this is, is it a lake? Is it an ocean? Where is this location? He just tweeted this with no text this yeah, morning. For those listening on the podcast, it's essentially a picture. Imagine if you were just sitting on the beach, staring out into the water mm -hmm. and took the picture on your phone and then immediately tweeted it. Um, it sounds like the divorce could be happening soon for St. Louis. And listen, St. Louis is going to be damn lucky of what happened last year, that they didn't have a taker on Tarasenko, that the Kraken didn't take him for nothing in the expansion draft, and he followed up with a career season. But I think he absolutely remembers what's happened in the past, and I think he also has some real issues with the way his shoulder injury was handled by the club right now. Um, and he'll have some interest in and around the league. And I guess the thing about Tarasenko, Remo, is you could get him and again, he's $7.5 million, but he's got the production to back that up. And the commitment is only for one year. And presumably any team that would get him, would they have the opportunity to work on extension throughout the season? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious what, what's going to happen to him. So uh, that is something, that is another player to keep in mind. We did have Frank Cervalli's, what, trade big board uh, yesterday. And you know, the talk here was Blake Wheeler at number three. And to bring it back to the Jets, we do have the clip of Kevin Ch Marat, who has been talking about he expects Blakewood to move. Here's the clip from Chevy uh, being asked by Marat about possible conversations uh, regarding Blake Wheeler. Here we go. Are you getting, um, I want to say calls, but you've just come from a room. It's nice to be in 2022. Um, questions about Blake Wheeler in particular right now. You know, again, it's it's that time of the year where, as a manager, you're you know, if you're not asking questions or you're not making calls or you're not uh, getting calls, um, you know, then something's not right. So it's uh, it's a busy time of the year for everything. All right, so not much. I mean, <laughs> hey, you I, didn't I wasn't say, expect him to you open. Didn't say his, no. Well, no, what, you're exactly right. What we're did he say calls. about Shifley to Zeisberger that we're not shopping him? Now he just says you're going to have he says, hey, when the phone <laughs> rings you answer it, right? We're just having conversations here. You're not doing your job if you don't have like, what did he say about Shifley? That's um, about as close to saying a guy's gone. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> In Chevy speak. Okay, Zeisberger talked to him at the okay, this is what Zeisberger tweeted back at the Combine. He was asked if he expected Shifley back with the Jets. He said, yes, I do. So 
He didn't say, well, you know, you're going to have conversations. You're going to have tight lots, calls lots all the calls. time. You're not doing your job if you're not, uh, yeah. if you're not having if someone these wants to call about Mark Shifley, I mean, I'm not doing my job if I don't pick up the phone. <laughs> so, that, Although I will say, um, we'll get to the schedule maybe later. The Jets did put out their schedule with a creative video. They did include, include Wheeler as part of the video. So I don't know if the, your social media team... Where Wheeler and Shifley, the trade they, they, they didn't have the walking orders. And in fact, I think yeah. it, it, it would have been far more noteworthy if they didn't put those guys in, if they did. So I, I think they did They did the right thing. And that well, they, was a pretty creative video that they put out as well. Well, they heard us talking, uh, you know, all, um, what, during the season where they put out the uh, tweet for, so you know, season members. And we were talking about who wasn't in the video yeah. and, and who was. So they made to cover. They made sure to cover their bases. Well, well, well done listen, I think that was a smart move. I mean, uh, there was listen, there was a lot of angst and uh, you know disappointment. And I think uh, you know uh, both Shifley and Wheeler were taking justifiably so more so Shifley than Wheeler in my opinion. But you know we're taking some heat from fans. Those weren't the guys you want to be putting on the slapping on the front of the season ticket brochure this year if you're trying to sell tickets. You want people to be excited, and that's Nikolai Ehlers, that's Kyle Connor, Josh Morrissey, certainly a real fan favorite that had a strong season, so it doesn't surprise me that those were the guys that they used. Um, let's get back to these clips, though, because there's a couple of other interesting ones. Just quickly get to four for a minute, because we never really heard from the Jets as to the logic of taking the second-round pick this year from the Rangers as a opposed to next season. But I think considering they didn't have a second round pick, it certainly makes sense. Here's number four. Here's what Chevy had to say about getting that extra pick in the second round as opposed to next season. I think we've been, uh, you know, I think there's a statistic out there that we've drafted like the third amount, least amount of players over the last couple of years. We've traded picks, obviously, uh, to acquire players. We've traded picks to, uh, you know, to, to chase the playoffs and stuff like that. So it is important, to, you know, that you, you do start drafting well. And that was, that was kind of the major decision for us to take the pick this year um, as opposed to pushing it to next year was, was getting another prospect in our system earlier. Yeah, and, and, of course, a big part of that was the acquisitions last year of Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt, two second-rounders and a third-rounder going out. So that second-rounder coming in, as well as the what ended up being a first-rounder, thanks to the Rangers' playoff performance, certainly uh, filling the funnel a little bit more for the Winnipeg Jets after, as Chevy mentioned, they'd made some aggressive trades, moving out some picks. Uh, here's a quick clip from uh, Chevy, who was asked about the potential of trading down in this draft because of the depth of it and uh, maybe a lack of uh, the more high-end players near the top of the uh, first round. Yeah, so I think, you know, th those are um, those are always, you always have those kind of discussions. I think where it really hinges on is what the offers are, uh, you know, and if the picks are too far away, you know, as far as what might be offered to you, then, you know, it, it doesn't uh, create as much value as, as you might think it does. All right, so uh, there is Kevin Sheveldayoff. Hey, Rio, just one more. Brandon's coming up in just a second. Uh, one other clip that I want to get to, and we'll talk about this with Adam Kimmelman, and I'm sure it's different from team to team, uh, but... You know, especially, and I guess maybe I believe the Fedotov is a, a flyer prospect. So we'll talk about this issue with the Russians, um, the guys that are already team property of NHL teams. But of course, a huge question with what's happening overseas with the Ukraine, with Ukraine and Russia, um, as to where the Jets are and all the rest of the teams are on picking Russian players this year as opposed to a normal year. Here's Shevoldayev on that. Yeah, again, I think it's, uh, you know, it, it is certainly uh, an interesting time in the world when it comes to uh, to, to that aspect of things. Um, you know, we were fortunate last year that uh, that 
uh, you know, a player that we had draw, you know, rated so high that, you know, we, we just, uh, you know, we, we had to, uh, you know, take it when we did. And, and uh, we're excited about it. And, and I think he's going to be a great prospect for us. I think each organization is going to look at it uh, differently. I think I'm sure every organization ranks and rates the players. Uh, at least I know that, you know, we do with respect to, um, you know, wh where they should be. But um, it'll be each club's internal decision as to uh, whether they choose to, to, to make that pick. All right. So there's a little bit more from Jets general manager Kevin Sheveldayoff coming out of yesterday's general manager's meetings heading into tonight's first round. By the way, another great crowd today on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks so much for everyone dropping by. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that red subscribe button, subscribe to the channel, and join us uh, whenever you can. We're live at 1 p.m. every day, Central, here on Winnipeg Sports Talk from Monday to Friday. Um, and again, if you're working, you can maybe check in a little bit while you're at the office. But of course, afterwards, the entire YouTube broadcast ready in its entirety for you. And if you want to turn on your notifications, you'll know when we go live. Uh, and of course, if you commonly watch or listen on the podcast, you can pick that up. Audio usually ready to go around oh, by 3.30, just in time for your drive home. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts, just get on there and press subscribe to Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, Brenner Wiki's on deck. We're going to bring him in right now. A yeah, big shout out to our friends at Culligan Water, the water experts in Winnipeg, locally owned and doing it for over 65 years. They've got everything you need, softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. You can pop down and see them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue. 694-5180 is the number to hit them up, and you can find out more online at drinkculligan.com. Uh, Manitoba Battery, Donnie and the gang, killing it this spring and summer. They're the home of the $99 deep cycle battery. You won't find anyone in town that can compete with that price. Whether it's for your camper, your boat, or anything else, you get the best price and the best service from the guys and gals down at Manitoba Battery. And not only are you getting the best price, you're going to save a ton of time because they're going to bring the battery to your door at no extra cost when you live inside the perimeter. And for you folks that may live a little outside, a uh, small charge, and they can still bring it to your door. Forget the big box stores, shop local, get a better price, and enjoy the convenience and service that Manitoba Battery has to offer. Hit them up online at manitobabattery.com or visit the team at the coolest JetBlue building in Winnipeg at 1026 Logan Avenue, open 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily. Now, Remo, if you can, of course, everyone knows Royal Sports has been a big supporter of ours for, uh, well, really, since day one and uh, far beyond that. Lots going on. On the Instagram story right now, follow them at Royal Sports Pemina because the NHL draft is today. And if you're watching with us on YouTube right now, you can see every team's brand new NHL draft hat is in stock now at Royal Sports. So whether you want to pick up the Jets one or you've got a fan of another team, pretty nice version this year, I've got to say, Remo. I uh, Sometimes the draft, draft hats are very much hit or miss. I got to say, this uh, this version this year, I think the uh, players will be pretty happy to be putting on, and I know many fans will want to grab as well. I mean, it looks like a hat. It's got the team's logo. It's nothing crazy like those MLB uh, 4th of July caps. So <laughs> this is, <laughs> Those are so bad. This looks like something that you would actually wear. Um, it's got the what, white side panel, team color with logo. Logo looks good. Uh, oh, there's the Jets one. I and there's another. Yeah, I like this uh, one on the left. Yeah, me too. With the blue bill, that's yeah, sharp. I'm, I'm into that one. So uh, we'll be seeing the players, two Jets players, wearing those tonight 
on stage, and they will have an actual Jets jersey every year at the draft. I am reminded of Mark Shifley wearing the <laughs> NHL logo jersey, which he has said is in his parents' closet. Which I think I think it should be in the Jets. I thought Hall- it was in the Hall Hockey Hall of Fame. I think he said it was his parents' closet. We remember we asked him once on the old station, and I think it should be like on display somewhere. <laughs> like I would love to love a, a picture of that jersey. Absolutely. Anyways, all the new NHL draft hats are in. Pop on down right now. Hot off the presses, right off the truck at Royal Sports Pemina, 750 Pemina Highway. And the Scottish Open started today. Cameron Tringali with a six or nine under par. He leads the way. Uh, the Manitoba Mid-Am continuing right now. Shout out to Eric Johnson of Breezy Bend. Easy E was the leader after round number one, and they're back out for round number two today, playing over at Grand Pines. So good luck to uh, all the golfers competing in that. And of course, a big thanks to Breezy Bend for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you're looking for a great home for you and your family on the golf course, check out Breezy Bend. Talk to Corey Johnson about getting on the waiting list for next year, and you can find out more on everything Breezy has to offer at breezybend.ca. All right, let's get to... uh, the hair himself, Brandon Rewicki. And Rewicki, I have to tell you, yesterday in the chat, Remo often wears a hat. He did not have the hat. His hair was wonderful. And Remus was actually getting comparisons to one Brandon Rewicki. And we didn't really talk about this in the show, but that might be the highest praise one can get in the chat room when talking about somebody's hair. Well, you know, I... Remus mentioned the old station there, and I know there was another one of our former colleagues that was talked about, you know, the hair, this, the hair, that. That was the biggest fake news of all time. We all know that. Remo, I've always said Remo is the king in the underrated flow department. Thank you. I don't, I don't know it's if true. JT's listening or not, but I, I, for me, man, he's popping into number two. We we can share like 1A, 1B, but for me, Remo's ahead of JT, no doubt. Yeah, to- listen, Toth was bumper shining you and living the lie for a long time, <laughs> claiming that he was the hair. And in fact, anyone that ever went into the studio knows that. I mean, he's lucky that Westy was bald or he might have been the third best hair <laughs> of the uh, of the <laughs> of the big show. So uh, anyways, fun lap. Great to have you back on, man. Um, this is like an exciting, uh, exciting night. I mean, certainly for the Winnipeg Jets with a couple of picks. Um, but I am interested, uh, just your thoughts on everything that's taken place over the course of the last week, uh, starting off with uh, Bones, Rick Bonus being the head coach. Uh, what was your reaction? What did you think through the weekend about the direction the Jets made? And now we've had a few days to think about it, considering the circumstances. What do you think of the fit? I think the fit's okay. It's just okay. I, you know, I, I thought about this and it's funny because it was such a mixed reaction. I, I felt like, like it was a pretty polarizing hire. A lot of people were really upset. A lot of people were, were pretty excited at, at somebody like bonus coming in. I, I guess the best way I can put it is the positives just like very narrowly outweigh the negatives for me, but that makes it like a C plus or a B minus. You know what I mean? Like it's, I don't think it's necessarily a bad hire by by the Jets, but you know, I guess A is just that this is kind of what happens when you put all your eggs into the trots basket. Like if you if you spend two or three weeks going after one guy and you don't really hide your intentions, guess what? A lot of the other options are are going to feel like you know what I'm going to find somewhere else to coach next year and and good luck with Barry here. And when that option gets wiped out from under you, you, you kind of have what happens, which was a mad scramble by the Jets to try to grab 
a number of different candidates. And, and depending on who you talk to, you know, it sounded like bonus was maybe plan D or, or plan E, right? Like Rick Talkett, was he given a formal call? I, I, I do kind of like Chevy's legalese speak there where he said Rick was the only coach we formally offered a contract to, but it sounds like they offered the job to Rick Talkett. I'm not sure I mean, that they weren't. I'm not sure that they didn't think, and I think some other teams as well, think that Talkett wasn't essentially leveraging interest in head coaching for a better deal with TNT. Like we were talking about with Jen Botterill earlier today about the possibility of her working in the front office and being an AGM somewhere. Would you rather be an AGM in the NHL or be working for Rogers and ESPN or TNT as an analyst on national television? I, I can tell you what I'd rather be doing and it wouldn't yeah. be an AGM. That's fair. That That's fair. But at the very, I, I don't know. I just, I look at the whole situation here and it, it just felt like the Jets never really got their guy. And and you could say what you want about some of the well, other Barry hires. Barry Trotz was their guy. I mean, like, you, who, who who was plan B? I guess that's the, that is the question. You know, and, and like, sounded, I don't think Cassidy was coming here. I mean, it's funny. How about the fact that they talked to Torts? That was, so now, if we could put our tinfoil hats on for a second. And I don't know how serious this ever got. Maybe it was just more so, hey, he knows hockey. Let's bring him in, get his opinion on the team and, you know what, we'll kind of go our separate ways there. But like, did you did you at all consider that maybe that was a foreshadowing that here Luke Dubois might not be around this upcoming season? Because we all know if Torrance is coming in, and if you think that's an option, it's because Dubois is not going to be there because they have a slight different of opinions about uh, how hockey should be played, right? You thought those end-of-season uh, interviews yeah. were interesting? <laughs> Wait till the first one in the fall when Torrance is head coach. I'm totally with you on that. Yeah, so... I, I, I guess it look, it's not a home run hire for me. Maybe, maybe a maybe a single. Maybe you could try to stretch it into a double if you're fast enough. Um, but the other intriguing part of this is it it almost sounds like there's a succession plan being put in place where maybe Scott R. Neal sometime down two, three years, whatever it is, is gonna take over as head coach of the team. What about Barry and- Trotz? I, mean, I, don't I can't that. be the only person that thought thought that. Well, and you know what? Uh, I, at this point, after hearing what they had to say, and maybe obviously they're doing everything they can to you know not have people think that. But I mean, I was out in Clear Lake on the golf course one Friday when the news dropped, and then was out in the Dauphin area at uh, at Country Fest over the course of the weekend. And I'd be lying if I didn't say the Trots watch was back on amongst a lot of people around there er asking me every 10 minutes about what this means going forward. And of course, the fact that it's a two-year deal with the team option for a third, it certainly doesn't tie them to Rick Bonus for a long time. And I think that's probably maybe what both the coach and the organization wanted, considering Barry Trotz wasn't available at the time. Yeah, I I just don't look at that as, oh, Trotz is coming in a year or two sort of a thing. Oh, no. It kind of of reminds me of when a team trades a pending UFA at the deadline, and they're like, oh, we can double up, right? We'll we'll trade him, get something, he'll come back and sign. Well, guess what happens? They never sign. (laughs) There's like, you know, one out of 20 that actually do come back and re-sign with that team. But for me, it's kind of once you're gone, you're gone. And I I just don't – to me, it's just so wishful thinking that – Barry Trotz is kind of going to come in in a year or two, take over, and and you know Montgomery and everybody's going to be happy with it. I, I just don't see it playing out that way. To me, what this looks like is the Winnipeg Jets have tabbed Scott Arneal as their head coach in in the future, and and that's the guy that they want to run the bench at some point here because why else 
would you hire him before a head coach is even brought in? He was almost the, the, the major priority, him and him and Trotz at the same time. They were talking with both. And, and I guess my thinking is, and I, I wouldn't be overly, you know, over the moon thrilled with, with Arneal being the head coach, but he, he's 59 years old, I believe. Like, if, if you want him to be the guy, just make him the guy, right? Like, don't don't bring in Rick Bonus for two years. Well, here's the it's thing. The there's there's left tons of people that I know said, oh, Rick Bonus is old. He's a retread. Does anyone think that this hockey club right now could handle a rookie head coach coming in without? I mean, I don't for a second. And I think that that is a big reason why they realized they needed, why Barry Trotz was clearly the number one choice. Um, and why, given the inability to get Barry Trotz to sign on in Winnipeg, that a pivot to Rick Bonus for at least a couple seasons with the positivity that he brings, the atmosphere, and frankly, with the job that he did in Dallas was pretty damn good too, uh, Brandon. I mean, I think a lot of people, I mean, it's easy to talk about, oh, his record and well, what he did in Ottawa as the yeah. head coach of an expansion team. But if you look at recent history, 2020 until 2022, Heck, we saw a lot of the Dallas Stars, and um, they were doing things that Winnipeg Jet fans on this show every day were saying they wish Paul Maurice and Dave Lowry could have gotten the Winnipeg Jets to do last year. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's interesting, too, because the Dallas Stars, pretty much the same iteration of the group, was this high-octane, you know, high-flying, run-and-gun team, and then Montgomery and Bonus, you know, to kind of give them both some credit there, molded that group into one of the stingier defensive teams in the NHL. So, you know, if, if the main goal for, for Chevy and company with the head coach was bring a guy in that's going to shift the culture in the room, create a level of accountability, and make this team structured inside their own zone and more difficult to play against, then Rick Bonus checks off all those boxes. And, and that's kind of why I feel like it's that, you know, I mentioned there's some negatives involved in this. There's a lot of positives that go along with this as well. Um, and, and I think ultimately that does outweigh some of the negatives. I, I do have concerns about, you know, the top six, bottom six split of the forward group. You know, people hated that when Paul Maurice is here. Well, Rick Bonus did the exact same thing in Dallas, right? I, I don't like that. That's one of my major concerns is that the forward group is going to be deployed pretty much the same as they have been for a while now. But on the flip side, he, he's pretty aggressive with his blue liners. He likes them to play aggressive and up in the play. And he's not afraid to throw in young guys into the top four and play them big minutes. He, you know, he was in charge of the of the blue line when Heiskanen came in as a 20-year-old. He played him well over 20 minutes a night. By the time the playoffs came around, he's 25 minutes a night and, and arguably the star's best player. So, you know, there's there's definitely positives and negatives. I I, I do have some some concerns about how the forwards are going to be used, but for, for anybody that wants to see guys like Hainala, guys like Sandberg being given a legitimate chance and a chance to play a more progressive modern style, you're, you're, you're going to like Rick Bonus a lot. I think you'd be pleasantly surprised when it comes to that. How about Nikolai Ehlers on PP1? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, easy now, easy now. One, one thing at a time, right? <laughs> let's, let's, let's make him line one before we talk PP1, okay? <laughs> Um, all that. Who do you think the big winners are? You sort of touched on a couple of those younger players, and I certainly agree with you on that. I think Billy Hanley gets a legitimate shot to be an everyday defenseman next year in the National Hockey League. I mean, to me, Ehlers is a guy that I think, you know, we just look at what he did. And it was interesting. Tyler Sagan swears by Rick Bonus. Um, and Tyler Sagan, during the last couple of years, saw him go from, you know, that guy that was always on the top line that everything was around to, to 
I don't want to say a secondary player, but let's face it. It was the Drew Hints and Jason Robertson show when they had a game on the line. And it was really interesting hearing Rick Bonus how he coached those players into that spot and yet still had an incredible amount of um, appreciation from Tyler Sagan. And uh, let's face it, we've been talking about that somewhat of a changeover amongst the forwards, in particular Nikolai Ehlers, for years here in Winnipeg. You could maybe put Mark Scheifele in that spot too, but for completely different reasons. You know, Ehlers will be a benefactor in the sense that I imagine he gets a lot more ice time. And that's really all he needs to do in his game is just play more, which is not his decision. But, you know, if anybody that's followed some of the advanced stats, it shows that he's one of the best point producers up front in the NHL. He's just been playing 16, 17 minutes a night for three or four seasons straight now. But, you know, you can make the case that Shifley could follow down a similar path to Tyler Sagan, right? That, you know what, maybe you're not playing depending on what happens with Dubois, obviously, but you're not playing 22, 23 minutes a night, but you give me 19 really effective minutes and you're going to see some massive, massive improvements in your game. And the point production might not tail off all that much either. So in a roundabout way, I, I do wonder, because it seems like the Jets publicly at least are committing to to Mark Shifley coming back into the fold for one more year. And I, I wonder if he... In, in a weird sort of a way, might be the biggest winner out of all of this because that's the guy that really needs to see his game change and, and shifted back to where it was. You, you probably have to go all the way back to the playoff run to the Western final. If he can get back to that, I mean, perception oh. around the league is going to change, dude. This guy, yeah, he is a top 10 centerman again. Well, and, and funny that you bring that up because, I mean, that is the best case scenario for the hockey club going forward. But to your point, it's also the best case scenario for Mark Shifley because, you know, I think that what happened last year in particular, um, you know, really eroded his value. I think a lot of teams looked at what happened in Winnipeg and probably have a different view of Mark Shifley as to what where they would have thought of him two or three years ago. And for all the talk about contracts and deals, he's got two years left on this one. He'll be 31 as a UFA. Um, if he wants that big deal in two years, the best thing he can do is play his ass off, buy in, and uh, and be a better and more complete player than he was last year. And I think everyone knows that he has that club in his bag. Yeah, yeah, right? Like, it, it's funny because the floor for Shifley is... 80 to 90 point centerman who, who can't play defense, <laughs> which, you know, like you'd like it to be better, but that's still a pretty good floor to work with. And when you're talking about a, a centerman in the NHL, let alone one that makes $6 million, but that's, that's always been the frustrating part these last few years, right? You know, he has it in him. It's, it's not a matter of he can't do it. It's just that he hasn't done it. Like I, I, I I'm not going to say he's going to win a Selkie trophy under Rick bonus or anything like that. The Jets don't need him to though. Just, just be average, average in your own end. Like that's that's all anyone's asking for. He does that, and the Jets are a much more difficult team to play against. If Dubois sticks around, you know, you know he's going to be bringing it in terms of competitiveness and physicality, and you know, not not a not a great defensive player himself, but one that you could see improve as he gets older and older. So, I, I know this has kind of been Kevin Chevaldeoff's grand plan for a long time, right? To have that one-two punch down the middle of Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois. And now that Shifley seems to be committed to coming back for one more year at the very least, be a shame if all this talk around Pierre-Luc Dubois came to fruition 
And then he's the one moved out because we don't know what his situation is going to be in two years. Well, the good thing is they've got a year to figure it out, uh, seemingly in the meantime. I mean, you can't lose either of these guys for nothing, uh, but you certainly can give them a nice run and see if they can, you know, help the team get much better. And certainly Mark Shifley, I mean, rehab his image a little bit around the league, um, you know, as well as his game and put himself in a better spot, whether he's in Winnipeg or elsewhere for a big cash in when uh, his contract has finished up. Uh, what do you make of the situation around the captain? Pretty shocking, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I we, we talked about Nate Schmidt, maybe him being a cap casualty if the Jets wanted to make some space and then try to add a few players. And I, the only reason I mentioned him is because I just didn't think it was realistic at all that the Jets would actually try and, and move Wheeler and then find a suitor to, to, to make it all work. It, it, it sounds like this is something that's going to come down the pipe pretty soon. And I, I'm, I assume I'm in the majority on this, but it's a matter of when, not if. And uh, I mean, you kind of got another sense of it when Rick Bonus was asked to be reached out to the captain, and he's like, "Yeah, I, you know, essentially, I got a text message back." And um, you know, we, Wheeler isn't in the what is it, Gen Z now? I, I, I don't know what generation is before mine. The Zoomers, the Zoomers, but you know. <laughs> With his age and everything, he's he should be a phone call guy. Like he should be somebody that returns the phone call back. It's the captain. So the yeah, like you would think that with the new coach coming in, the captain would go out of his way to reach back with a with a phone call and have a bit of a chat instead of a you know busy right now ttyl and five. Well, and, and you know what? Just on that, and I know there's been some talking, and some people said, "I can't believe you guys would even mention it." He might be on holidays or something. It doesn't matter. You're you're talking for two seconds. You're for two minutes to the. I mean, we we live in a world where technology is there. I don't think he's on a safari somewhere where there's no cell <laughs> service anywhere like that. Um, but I, I had a great chat with our old pal Marku last night, and we were talking about this, and he said, "I mean." Rick Bonus is a savvy veteran coach. And the way that he answered that question, he would have had more than an opportunity just to not say it, to BS. Oh, yeah, I had a good chat with Blake. Um, the way that that answer came out and you look back, I mean, to me, the writing seems to be on the wall. And um, I'm not sure whether it happens potentially today or over the course of the weekend, or it takes a little bit longer. But once we hear both a guy like Frank Cervelli saying both team and player are on board at making this work. It does seem like the writing is pretty much on the wall. And I guess it comes to two questions for that. How does the deal work? Because I don't think, listen, I don't think the Jets I'm on record, they're not giving up Billy Hanela to get Blake Wheeler off the books. Um, and I think it's probably more likely that they end up eating a significant part of that salary for the next couple of years to facilitate a trade. Because I do think that Blake Wheeler, to a team that wants him at four and a half or $5 million a year for two more years, is probably going to get you at least some return, whether it's a player to get cap off there that can help them up front or draft picks. But it's a very different story, Wheeler, at $5 million as opposed to 8 plus. Yeah, that, that to me is the magic number is if you shave off three and whatever it is, $5 million is, you know, for a guy that would be probably runs your power play and would play on your second or third line, probably give you 60, 70 points. Like there is, there's still a lot of value in that. Absolutely. And it's, it's not necessarily Wheeler's fault that, you know, Maurice and Lowry were playing him 22 minutes a night, right? Like if I think if you put him in a better situation deployment wise that he, you know, he probably gives you a little bit better performance than we saw out of him last year, which I think kind of went under the radar 
considering the team completely folded and, and went into tank. This production was good. The team sucked. Um, but, you know, when I think about when this trade might happen and who might be involved, I, I would be shocked if we see anything happen tonight. To me, you need to see the Goudreau, Forsberg, uh, whichever, I guess, Fiala got traded, maybe maybe one or two other players. You see those big wingers start to fall and sign elsewhere. There's going to be a team or two that was trying to target those guys that are going to miss out, and they might then pivot to somebody like a Blake Wheeler. Um, I mean, New Jersey makes a lot of sense. They're not really hiding their intentions at all that they want to go after. Johnny Hockey, they went after Fiala. They'll do the same with Forsberg. If they miss out on all those guys, you know, maybe, you know, salary retained and you swap Tomas Tatar, send him Winnipeg's way. Like, maybe there's a, a deal to be had there. But I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Blake Wheeler's a Jet till the middle of July, some sometime next week. Like I, I think we need to see free agency happen for a day or two before one of these teams maybe gets a little desperate and says, we missed out on our main guys. Let's try to find a way to, to go to plan B. Interesting take. Hey, well over 500 in here, folks. If you're new, welcome. Uh, and if you haven't already, folks, please hit that red subscribe button. Make sure you're joining us on a daily basis here. And if you haven't already hit the thumbs up, thumbs up not only for the show, for the draft, but thumbs up for the best hair every week here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. That would be a Brandon Rewicki. Let's get the let's get the thumbs up over 200 as we get into the next part of the conversation. We focused in on a lot of the Jets. I know there's the possibility of potentially a blue liner being moved. I think we think that almost has to happen. I wouldn't be surprised, or I wouldn't mind seeing if maybe there was two of the veterans gone to, you know, open up a little bit more room. Uh, but what's most intriguing you outside of Winnipeg, Brandon, going into tonight, whether it be trades or whether it be the top of the draft board with, you know, a number of scouts going off Shane Wright and thinking that that would not be the smart move for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, the, the top of the draft is fascinating because it seems like all these teams are playing chicken with each other. Like I, And this is how it should be. Like Montreal has played this perfectly, by the way, because nobody has a clue who they're picking. And I'm sure they're doing whatever they can to try to drum up any trade interest if they want to move back to two or, or whatever it may be. Like, this is a give. Uh, is, is it Ken Hughes, the new Ken GM? Hughes, there? Yeah. yeah, give Ken Hughes a ton of credit because he's absolutely blowing it out of the water right now. I, I still think, I know there's been a lot of Slavkovsky number one talk. I still think Shane Wright is going to be the pick there. But I, I really can't envision a scenario where if. Slavkovsky is picked number one by Montreal. I wonder if New Jersey would then maybe pivot to a defenseman because they've got Heischer and Hughes down the middle. Now, I, I would go, hey, we'll have Heischer, Hughes, and Wright, and we'll be good for the next five, six, seven years. But I, I wonder if they might trend that way. And then if that happens, well, maybe Arizona loves a Logan Coop. And I wonder if Shane Wright might all of a sudden go from presumptive number one pick to Four at Seattle, five at Philly. Like I, I, I do wonder if there's some machinations that could happen that we see Shane Wright take a tumble down the board on draft day. The other team that really intrigues me is Ottawa because they basically put they, they kind of put Matt Murray in the seventh overall pick up for grabs and are like, hey, who wants to do business with us? We got some salary to move and a pretty high draft pick. I don't think it's a smart move that the Senators are doing it, but I, I'm curious to see which teams try to take advantage of that. Well, the funny thing is they apparently had a deal with Buffalo. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Where the, I don't believe the seventh rounder or the seventh overall was in play, but 
um, they had traded him to Buffalo. And then Matt Murray reminded them that Buffalo is on his no-move list and he does not intend to go to Buffalo. He would like to stay in Ottawa. Yeah, that's that's a tough one for the Sabres, right? Like when when you'd rather go to Ottawa than Buffalo, that's a bit of a... a I'm high on Buffalo going forward. I think their darkest days are behind them right now. I mean, I really do think, and it might not be next year, but in the next couple of years, it certainly would help if they found someone that could stop a puck that, um, you know, that they might be pushing for a playoff spot in the next couple of years. They certainly are getting some quality young talent on that squad. Yeah, you're not, you're not big on 42-year-old Craig Anderson starting 50 <laughs> games this year. You know, and Buff- Buffalo's actually – because they I They think should they go have... young and get Mike Smith. <laughs> oh, yeah. <exactly. laughs> that would be great. I, I'd be down with that. Uh, but, you know, Buffalo's a team – They the cap's like 82 mil. I think they've got 80 million in cap space right now. I, you'd have to convince, but, like, that makes a lot of sense for, you know, if you want to move a, a Dylan or a Schmidt for, for cap relief. Buffalo – Buffalo, I think, has two, maybe three defensemen on their roster right now. Their forwards are all set for next year, but they don't have anybody in their own back half of the ice to do anything with it. So uh, it, it seems like the Sabres and even the Anaheim Ducks, too. Anaheim's got a ton of cap space. When when there's so many teams trying to make moves but can't because they're so tight to the cap, I'd like to see how they weaponize that and take advantage of it. Hey, uh, Brandon Wiki's with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to check out the Skates and Plates podcast wherever you get podcasts. Brandon, uh, with multiple episodes each week focusing on the Winnipeg Jets and obviously much more. You are a Philly guy. What do you, What have you heard? And we haven't talked too much about this, but this uh, is it Fedotov, the goalie that is the, uh, the, 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 the he's a Russian prospect for the Philadelphia Flyers. Went back. I'm not sure what we know about him getting out of the military service. All that we know is he got picked up and he got put on a freaking train to Siberia. And there is plenty of questions as to what this means for his future with the Flyers organization. And then nervous moments for many others, including Kirill Kaprasov, who was reportedly fleeing Russia, although Michael Russo specified that he's actually still there. They're nervously assuming things will be okay. But, I mean, this is... Uh, to quote Roscoe Pico in the uh, Pico train in the chat, what a situation. Yeah, what a, what a situation. And it's, you know, it's typical Flyers irony that Chuck Fletcher ha- held a media uh, gathering and said something along the lines of, you know, we're looking forward to having a normal offseason for once. And then the next day is potential backup goalie gets sent to Siberia and is poisoned because he wants to go play in North America. Like it's, it's just, it's so Flyers, it hurts, but. It's terrifying when you're like when you're talking about superstar players potentially being stuck there. Like, uh, yeah, I heard you talk about it a little bit earlier. If I'm an NHL GM this year, I like sorry, but all the Russian players have to go off my draft board. Like, you just I, I don't know how you can invest any kind of, and even if it is a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick, I don't know how you can invest any sort of assets into a player that literally might be forced to stay in a different continent. I, I like things can change quickly. I get that, but man, I, it's, it's just, it's, it's so terrifying and so frightening and nobody really knows what's going to happen here. And we're talking about guys like Kaprizov and whoever else that, that might be stuck there. Like, well, what does an 18, 19 year old kid have any chance of, of leaving the KHL anytime soon so that's kind of another subplot of this draft you know is just i mean you have to worry about the well-being of a lot of russian players right now but i don't know if we see a russian taken in the first round despite there being you know three or four really really high talent kids being available 
Yeah, and, and I guess what could end up happening is some great value for teams that get them later on if they do end up in North America. But you could, um, for all intents and purposes, be wasting a pick depending on what happens. The one thing, I mean, we'll talk about this with Adam Kimmelman coming up in the next segment. Um, things can change, and they can change quickly, but it is impossible to ignore. I mean, you wouldn't be doing your job right now if you didn't put together everything happening outside of the hockey world right now because it could significantly impact the ability um, for NHL teams to get these Russian players here under contract and actually playing in North America. Well, yeah, and even if you just say, hey, on average, this any of these kids are going to be roughly three years away, especially where the Jets are picking. So you're looking three years into the future here. Like, yes, hey, they could be coming back over North America, AHL anytime soon. But, like, what if it doesn't change? Like, there's so much uncertainty and teams put so much stock into building their pipeline through the draft that, to me, it's just, it's not worth the risk. You know, even even if it is a late-round pick. Like, I, I'd rather have a little certainty of, you know, I, I, I know that this player is going to be in our organization we're going to be able to work with them and we don't have to worry about them potentially going through military service, potentially being forced to play in a different league. Like I, I think at least for this year, for me, it's, it's kind of a, a non-starter and, and I'd be looking at, you know, pretty much anywhere else. It, it sucks for the kids. That's the worst part is, you know, it's not the kids fault that they're born in Russia and they, they grew up playing there, but ultimately they're going to bear the brunt of, all the awfulness that we've seen over on that side of the pond these past few months. Yeah, well, and, and listen, um, the Jets have two prospects, two of their top prospects right now that, you know, seem to be, I mean, a- amazing selections in uh, Ryshevsky and Chibrikov. Um, They've already got two significant picks and, you know, hopes of players tied up in that. I'm not sure they're looking to add to that. Uh, right now, especially if you can have a path of far less resistance with the player you might know and might have scouted better because they've been in North America. Yeah, well, and, you know, if you're the Jets, too, you, you may, yeah, maybe you got out at the right time, but, you know, you look at that second pick in the first round, and if you want to talk about taking the high-end guy talent-wise that maybe just hasn't put it together all that all that soon, I, I would be really, really interested to see the Jets take a take a flyer on Brad Lambert, who you know, a few years ago was a top five pick guaranteed. Now like, he's dropping. Do we dropping, think he'll dropping. be there at that point? I mean, we were so looking. I saw the, a couple mock drafts on the athletic. I mean, take, take that for what it's worth. Um, but him going 28 and 29 in, in both of those. So that would be what a pick or two before the jets. It, it's possible, right? Like I, I, I would be shocked if he fell out of the first round entirely, but you know, I, I'm not normally a huge fan of trading up in the first round to, to grab a guy because you want more lottery tickets, but now, if, if you can move up two or three spots and potentially hit a grand slam with this kid who's got all the tools but just hasn't quite found a way to put it all together yet, that outside of trading that pick, which I've been on board with for a long time, that to me would be the best-case scenario for the Winnipeg Jets is they find a way to grab maybe a Nazar or a Geeky or a Savoie. If they, you know, maybe he does the Perfetti thing. You do that with the first pick, and then you double up and get a guy like Brad Lambert with your second. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm, you know, the, the button mock has Geeky going to the Jets at 14. Of course, a Strathclair Manitoba native. And the Jets have not been a team that has really leaned on local players at any point since, uh, you know, in their drafting history. And then Denton Matejchuk being on the board for them at 30. Now, I've talked wow. to other scouts. Some of them have him going, you know, before 
the Jets, I believe Kimmelman, who's going to come up, I think he has them going at 13 to the Islanders. Yeah. <laughs> but that speaks to, you know, the the intrigue about this draft. And, you know, there's a lot of teams that think, oh, there's about 20 players, and then you've got a drop-off. Well, if you're picking at 30 and guys are coming off in all sorts of different order, you could absolutely see a scenario where you get one of your top 20 players, maybe a couple of them, and have to decide between them at the 30th pick. Yeah, that's 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 best-case scenario. The other part of it is for me is, you know, like it's exciting talking about the draft and prospects and everything like that. But let's let's not forget, too, like the Jets want to win next year. And if you can you like there's a lot of holes on the roster, too. You know, I, I know Chevy loves his prospects and everything like that. But you were kind of you were kind of given an absolute like 100 percent gift with the Rangers making that miracle run to the Eastern Conference finals. I mean, why not just double down on that and try to grab somebody with that pick and some of the other assets you have to, to make a move. Because if, if you can add a, an impact player on the blue line, if you can add a guy that, you know, maybe the Blake Coleman mole, like somebody that can be a second liner, but is bigger, physical, grittier, can still score a bunch. I'd be much more inclined to go down that route if I were the Jets than to try to make the pick because, Hey, you know, the, the prospect pool isn't as, deep and talented as it was maybe five or six years ago when it was Ehlers, Line A, all those guys. It's, it's a it's a half-decent prospect pool, though, right? Like, the blue line's pretty well-stocked. Perfetti and Lucius, even Gustafson up front, the two Russians you mentioned. You know, I, I, think, I think there's a really, really strong case to be made that the best use of that first-round pick, especially if a guy like Brad Lambert goes a, a little while earlier, is to throw that out there and try to find some immediate improvement and, and production on this team for for next season hey before we go well uh, what are your flyers going to do at five and uh, and what I do you expect them to do over the course of this anymore. weekend <laughs> who cares you're out nobody wants i don't even care anymore like I, i'm just I, i'm just so despondent about them it's it, you know there was talk they might move it for Debrinkat, and it's you know it's it's funny i was on the fence about if they should move that for a guy like to Brinkhead, but then there there was kind of like the lizard brain part of me that was like, you know what? It would just be nice to watch somebody skate fast and score a bunch of goals next year. Like that that's kind of the that's kind of like the basis of where I'm at right now is like sure we could mortgage the future and and maybe not win a lot, but it would be nice to enjoy watching a hockey game once in a while. So <laughs> I don't know. I'll whatever happens, I'll twist it and say it worked out positively for for the fly. I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of the, the baseline is really low right now for excitement. So outside of them, I, I don't even I don't even know who they could pick that would be such a major disappointment that like I'd totally jump off board. But as as long I guess as long as they don't run out of time and forfeit the pick, I will be okay <laughs> with whatever happens tonight. The bar is low. The bar is low. Oh man, fantastic. Uh, uh when are you dropping the next gates and plates? Coming out tomorrow. I uh, I was off for a little bit. My my daughter thought it would be funny to hide my microphone cable. Um, so I found that <laughs> I found that behind the couch. So that was a fun couple of days. So now that, now that that's been figured out, 
we uh, we're gonna get back to recording in perfect time because we can recap the the first round of the draft and then all the big trades and everything. Hey, listen, pal, um, we've got a we've got a CTO doing a bang up job here. Next time you need a mic cable in an emergency, you let the boys yeah. at WST know as we have got you covered. I got, I got, I got your own speed dial now. Thanks for that. <laughs> Come on, shoot, shoot me a text. I got you. I can hook it up. We live close. Maybe maybe I maybe I like subconsciously wanted a few days off. Maybe that's what it was, but. Well, well, it's we'll a perfect, perfect time. Crank that out to tonight. And, uh, of course, folks, that'll be there tomorrow morning for uh, you to peruse and listen to before we fire it up and uh, fully recap everything that happens tonight on tomorrow's Friday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. B, have a great one, man. Great to have you back on the program. Enjoy the draft tonight. Thanks for having me on. Enjoy the draft, too. Talk soon, guys. <laughs> right on. There he is, the one and only Brandon Rowicki skates and plates new episode tomorrow morning recapping round one of the NHL draft you can subscribe to us Remus has got the little bit out there hit that red button and uh, make sure you do that on wherever you get your podcast for both Winnipeg Sports Talk and skates and plates um, all right hey a big shout out to our friends at Not Auto Corp who are ready for summer if you've been thinking about um, maybe an upgrade of the vehicle before you do anything, pop by and see our friends at Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery. Uh, an incredible. I was just there yesterday and uh, oh my God, they've got some sweet vehicles, including a number of Teslas. Many of you have probably been thinking about switching to an electric vehicle. Ask them about their Tesla experience program as well, where you learn everything about what is involved in moving to a Tesla and electric vehicle from a traditional one. Regardless, whatever maker model you're looking for, talk to the experts at not. If they don't have it, they'll find it and get it for you at the best possible price. Why not get into the Carver Dreams at a great deal with the help of Not Auto Corp, Waverly McGilvery, and online at not.ca. Well, Folk Fest is here. I know a lot of folkies are already out there getting the tents put up and ready for a great weekend. And of course, if you're heading out there, make sure you enjoy some of the brand new, specially brewed for Folk Fest, Little Brown Jug Folk Fest Lager. Uh, and if you're not making it out to Birds Hill, you can also get it down at the tap room or online at littlebrownjug.ca. The uh, summer variety packs are available in beer stores and liquor marts all around the city as well. But as I said, nowhere better to do it. Maybe grab a few pints as well down at Little Brown Jug on William Avenue. You can find out more on all their socials uh, with what's going on around the city with events. But the big one this weekend is Bird's Hill and Little Brown Jug, proud sponsor of the Winnipeg Folk Fest. And the Folk Fest Lager is available for the weekend as well um all right uh pretty nice outside gonna be nice heading into the weekend great blizzard weather and uh, of course nick and nikki the nick and nikki dq group have been such great supporters of ours and i know so many of you have made a point of hitting them up at one of their four winnipeg and southern manitoba locations dq northgate dq polo park and dq st anne's in winnipeg and just south of the city the dq in niverville pop by check out all the great Blizzard flavors, including the Reese's Pieces Cookie Dough Blizzard. And check out those stack burgers. And if you do need a cake coming up for an upcoming event, you can also grab that or order it online through Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll get it custom made for you. And you can pick up at any of your favorite Lit Nick and Nicky DQ locations. Excuse me. Um, all right. Noah Cinnaboy Downs tonight. But... We'll be back at it on Monday, and we are very much looking forward to hosting our five winners from the Pick 6 contest a few weeks back. Um, July 12th, Tuesday, we'll be doing that. And, of course, you can uh, bet online at hpibet.com on both the Cinnaboy Downs and tracks around the world on the uh, largest horse racing site on the planet. 
uh, but make a plan to get out there. And even if you didn't win the contest, come out next Tuesday. We're going to have a Winnipeg Sports Talk race. We'll get to get down in the winner's circle. Be great to see many of you. And uh, no better way to spend an early weekday evening in the city right now than over to Cinnaboya Downs. And if you want to make an arrangement uh, or a reservation for that world-famous prime rib buffet, give them a call, 885-3330 or online at asdowns.com. All right, still lots to get to on tonight's draft. We've had a number of great draft previews. Grant McCagg yesterday, Chris Peters earlier last week. Um, Right now, though, let's get into uh, the final mock draft of the NHL.com, guys, and welcome in Adam Kimmelman from NHL.com to tee up tonight's round one. Adam, thanks so much for doing this. How are you? Absolutely. It, it's a blast to be on with you guys again. It's a blast to be up here in Montreal getting ready for the draft. And um, it's, it's like we've been preparing for this for what seems like months and months and months, and now we're finally here. It's exciting. You know, uh, you know, just before we get to a couple deals this morning that were made and what we expect tonight, uh, I, I imagine that uh, the passing of Brian Marchman to really cast somewhat of a, a, a pall over um, the, the proceedings last night. And, I mean, just tragic for, you know, a, a former NHLer at such a young age to, to pass away. And, my God, what a way for poor Mike Greer to start his uh, term as the general manager of the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, it, it's just, it, it's been, yesterday it was a really quiet day among the GMs. They had their meetings, but that definitely cast a pall over everything that's going on here. You know, Brian Marchman was a guy who was incredibly well-respected in the scouting community, not just, you know, San Jose, where, where he was, you know, a very well-regarded, well-respected guy, but just amongst the scouts. It's a very large group, but it's a very tight-knit group. So when one of their own, you know, has something this this tragic happened to them it's it hurts everybody in, in a big big way so there were some very you know surprise shock you know I, I think Mike Greer said just to his guys because this is crunch time right just because we're here at the draft doesn't mean everybody's up here just to to hang out they're still doing work and they're gonna do work right up until their time to, to make that pick is called but he said to his guys just everybody take the day do what you have to do to kind of get your head where it needs to be to kind of come to terms with what happened if you can, and then try to get back to work and, and get back to business as best you can. It's a really difficult, really difficult situation. I feel for that whole San Jose scouting staff, because that's a tight knit group and um, they're hurting. And, you know, you just hope they're able to focus on the draft and then they can deal with whatever comes after with afterwards. Well, I'm certainly that uh, it'll be felt tonight, and I'm sure um, you know many um, uh, memories and um, you know consolations from uh, teams around the league will be heard on uh, the passing of Brian Marchman. Uh, before we get to the actual draft and the picks today, I wanted to ask you about a couple moves. First of all, I, the Rangers traded Alexander Georgiev, and we knew that that was happening, but Colorado, a goalie needy team, really gets him for a third and a fifth round pick. I mean, how do they pull this off? More Joe Sackick magic, magic, I guess. I think if you're the Rangers, there was probably some thinking, well, what Georgiev is going to get on the open market for his value, maybe it doesn't fit for them cap-wise. Maybe it fits a little bit better for Colorado because, you know, obviously it doesn't seem like if they're making this trade for Georgiev, Darcy Kemper is going to be coming back. So there's a little bit of room that you can kind of reallocate that money, maybe save a little bit. On giving it to Georgiev, and then you ride with Georgiev and Pavel Francu. I, I would guess is your goaltending tandem next season. 
for the Rangers. They're able to, to grab more draft picks, opens up some cap space for them to have a little bit more flexibility and a little bit more, you know, future planning with now. I think they have six picks in the draft. Well, and just while we're talking about goalies, and I know free agency is going to be more of next week's topic than this week. Um, you know, I was listening to the guys in Edmonton this morning talking about a potential five by five offer for Jack Campbell. Uh, we've heard conflicting reports about the flower Mark Andre Fleury in Minnesota, although it is understood that he's looking for a two year deal right now. Um, and of course, the Leafs have maybe the biggest question uh, in the league right now if Jack Campbell moves on, considering what they got from Peter Mrazek last year. What do you make of this goaltending market right now? And, uh, you know, will teams be. You know, aggressively trying to acquire goaltenders even over the course of the next couple of days before we get to free agency next week. Well, I think everybody wants to be first in line. If there's a guy you like, don't wait around. Just do what you can to go get him, whether that's a guy who's an RFA that you want to maybe trade for his rights or, or try offer sheeting, or if there's a guy coming into the UFA market, maybe you jump the gun. Maybe we see a trade of, of a goalie's rights before he hits you know, the, the market on July 13th. Maybe teams try to get a hold, of, get ahead of the game that way. So it's going to be really interesting. You mentioned a few teams that absolutely are going to be looking for goaltenders, and I think Mark Andre Fleury is a really interesting case. You know, does he in Minnesota? You know, he saw certainly saw what he did for them when he got there. How he gave them a real boost. I, I think a full season of Fleury and Cam Talbot, you know, gives Minnesota a winning combination. No matter you know how you look at it, 82 nights a year, they have a guy who's capable of being a really solid number one goalie. And with Talbot there, you wouldn't have to rely on Flory to play 60 games at his age. You could go a 40 and 40 split. So it's a really good situation. And Minnesota looks like a team that's ready to compete for more than just you know a first round spot in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens there. But that's going to be a really interesting one to watch here as we get closer to July 13th. You know, I, I mean, it's hard to talk about Fleury without thinking about his former team, the Vegas Golden Knights. And speaking of goaltending issues, I mean, I'm not sure that they know what they've got in Robin Lehner, how available he's going to be, Loren Brassois as well. Um, you know, after having maybe the best goaltending situation a couple of years ago with Lehner and Fleury, although we know how that ended up, um, they've got huge question marks, and they're one of these teams that does not have a lot of wiggle room when it comes to the salary cap. No, and I'm a big believer in Robin Lehner. I think he's a guy that, you know, when he's right health-wise, he can still be a top-end goaltender. I think he can still be a guy who can get you where you want to go. We've seen him do it before. There's there's no doubt in my mind he could do it again. I think it's just a matter of him being healthy. You know, we all know about the, the off-ice issues he's had, but I think for him it's get the shoulder healthy, get himself in a better headspace, and I think having Bruce Cassidy there, look, Bruce knows how to handle a veteran goalie. He did really well with Tuka Rask in Boston. I think that experience will help him handle Robin Lehner, get him the playing time he needs, the situation he needs to be in, the players in front of him to allow him to be successful. So I, I have no doubt that Robin Lehner's poised for a big back, a big uh, bounce back year. Adam Kimmelman of NHL.com with us. Just before we get to the draft, I mean, kind of a broad question, but is there a general manager or two that is particularly intriguing to you and you're paying close attention to before we get to the first round tonight as to uh, potential player moves over the course of today? Well, I think you look right at the top. You know, the intrigue, it's all sort of tied together. What could happen to the trade market? What could happen, you know, starting tonight at the draft? You know, I'm curious. Billy Armstrong and the Arizona Coyotes have seven picks in the first two rounds. You know, that's a lot of ammunition 
if they want to do some things and be really creative, you know, do they move Jacob Chikrin? Do they look to, to use that draft pick as ammunition to, you know, find a team with a player that maybe they wouldn't be able to sign, you know, because of their cap situation. So that they, to me, look like they could be the most interesting team to watch going forward here, not just tonight and tomorrow, but as we get into July 13th and then free agency. Well, let's get to the draft. I mean, uh, we've waited for it. The scouts have done all their work. Now it's time to make the picks. You and Mike Morreale have a great mock on uh, at NHL.com. And both of you have Shane Wright going number one. I just assumed that that was the way that it was going all season long. But it has been interesting to hear from a number of scouts that have joined us far from a consensus on the number one pick. What do you make of Montreal's selection? And will they go with the consensus number one over the last couple of years? I think to me, Wright is the best player available. And then you combine that with an area of need. You know, Montreal needs to get something and something, do something more through the middle. You know, Suzuki's a nice start for them, but I think they need more through the middle. Shane Wright is that guy. You know, is he going to be a guy who pulls you out of your seats and scores 50 goals and 100 points? No, he's not Connor McDavid. He's not Austin Matthews or Sidney Crosby. But what he projects to be is a guy you can anchor your team around. He can play in every situation, win faceoffs, And I think if you go into the thought process of Wright, Slavkovsky, and Cooley, you know, Ken Hughes said it the other day that those are the three guys they're considering. I think when you look at if those guys don't hit their projection, what's the floor on them? I think Shane Wright has the highest floor of those three guys because of all the, the hockey IQ, all the things he can do away from the puck. Look, he scored 90-some-odd points in 60 games in the Ontario League. Plus, he wins faceoffs. Plus, you can put him out there against the other team's best player. So, there, there are some really, really positive things to like about Shane Wright. He's a guy, he's excited to go to Montreal. I talked to him yesterday. They had the clinic for, for some Montreal youth players at, you know, Bell Sports Complex, the Canadiens practice facility. And I said to him, are you kind of making mental notes and thinking, this could be more than just a one-off visit here? And he's like, absolutely. Montreal's where I want to be. I look at what they have. I look at their coaching staff. He knows Marty San Louis. You know, he sees what they're building, and he sees himself as a big part of what they can do. You know, they they had Vinny LeCavalier the other day, and, and they said they're, it's not just the on-ice stuff. It's how will you handle the pressure of being not just the number one overall pick, but the number one overall pick in Montreal. We all know it's a different animal up here when it comes to hockey and the passion for the Canadiens. I think Shane Wright has been in that spotlight since he's 15 years old. He knows how to handle what's going to be coming to him. So I think you you add all that together, the on-ice skill, the off-ice makeup. To me, I think he's the best player available. He's the best fit for them. So that, to me, makes him the ideal choice for Montreal. Now, could the Canadians be thinking differently? Certainly. It's going to be really intriguing to find out what happens at 8 o'clock tonight. Well, let's let's assume that Wright does go number one. Does the Slovak Slavkovsky uh, become a slam dunk number two pick for uh, the uh, the New Jersey Devils, who have had a couple number one overall picks and have gone the center route? I don't. I wouldn't call it a slam dunk, but I think he's the best player available and the best fit for them. When you look at what they've built with Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes, and Dawson Mercer through the middle, they look like they've really got a foundation in place there, and you want those guys to be in their natural position. I know Mercer has played all three spots. You know, I know they messed around with moving Hughes to the wing so he could play with Heischer or Heischer to the wing with Hughes in the middle. But I think in an ideal world, you have those guys stacked through the middle. Well, now you got to give them some offense on the side. To me, you can add a Yuri Slavkovsky 
230 pounds. He's a guy that could step into your lineup right now at 18 years old. He already has experience playing against men. Saw what he did at the Olympics. Saw what he did at the World Championship. He won't be intimidated by you know playing against older, more physically developed competition. He looks like a guy who's ready to go. And again, he's not just the best player available. He also fills a need for them. So to me, I don't know if it's a slam dunk. I've heard reports that they're really looking hot, considering one of the big defensemen, a Simon Nemich and David Yurichek, also project to be very good players. But to me, with the depth of defensemen in this year's draft class, what they need on the wing, I think Yuri Slavkovsky is a guy who would be the perfect pick for New Jersey. Well, it, you know what? Let's talk a little bit about that depth of defensemen because we have heard that there's quite a few of them, but it does seem like there's those top two that you just mentioned in Nemec and Jiracek, uh, and then a bit of a drop-off. In your perspective, how big of the drop is it from the top two defense prospects and what's left if you're picking, say, a defenseman later on in the first round? Well, I think there's tiers, and I think Nemec and Jiracek are in that top tier. Both big guys, right-handed shots. You know, I think both guys project to be really good NHL players, guys who can quarterback a power play. I think Juracek, you know, certainly has the size that might make him a little bit more NHL ready ahead of Nemich. You know, he's six foot three and he's 190 pounds. You know, you wonder how much the development time he lost because of the knee injury at the World Juniors. But both of those guys project to be really good players. But then there's a tier behind them. And you put in that tier Pavel Minchikov from Saginaw, Kevin Korczynski from Seattle. Owen Pickering from Swift Current, um, Denton Matejchuk from Moose Jaw, uh, Ryan Chesley and Lane Hudson from the U.S. National Team Program. I think those guys, that's your second-tier group. And what you get with those guys is they're all really outstanding skaters, you know, a mix of left and right-handed shots, but guys that project to be top four guys, in the case of someone like Lane Hudson, a guy who can absolutely run your power play. You know, Korchinski is a guy who... You know, the scouts have really been – He's they, they, the more they've watched him, he seems to be a guy that the more they've really liked. You know, you, you get to see him go all the way to the Western, uh, Western Hockey League final with Seattle. So the more and more viewings of him, you know, he's a guy with a projectable frame. You can see he's going to get bigger. He's going to get stronger. And as he gets bigger and stronger, he's already mm-hmm. a good skater. He's going to get even better. So, you know, Matejchuk is a guy from Moose Jaw that I really like. Love the head for the game. Love the wheels, love the skating, love the speed. And he's got a nice little edge to his game for a smaller player. So he's a guy I really like. Minchikov reminds me a little bit of Eric Carlson of the San Jose Sharks, just with that risk-reward he's got in his game. Decision-making might be a little questionable, but anytime he makes a mistake, he's got the speed to get back and, and cover for himself really well. So all those guys, you know, they all bring a little something different to the table but they all project to be top four guys who can be big-time contributors in every phase of the game. Uh, you, you mentioned Denton Matejchuk. He's a Winnipeg kid that just really finished his first full year in the Western Hockey League, like so many that had their previous season impacted by COVID. I think there's any chance, and we've seen a couple mocks that have him available for the Jets with their second pick in the first round at number 30. How realistic is that in your mind, Adam? I don't think Matejchuk's going to last that long. I have him in my mock draft going at number 13 to the New York Islanders. To me, he's a guy that he's a top 15 candidate all day. I know, but again, that speaks to the volatility of this year's draft, and we talked about it with number one. It's a really open-ended question who could go where, and the guy that you might have at 10 on your board, the team next to you might have at 30. 
and the guy you have at 30, the team next to you might have at 10. So there's this really huge gulf in, in opinions on certain guys that, yeah, I could say I see Matejic as a top 15 guy. Some people might see him as a, as a bottom 10 of the first round guy. So, you know, it, it's all it takes is one GM to make a decision. All it takes is one guy to say, I like him versus player X, and then he goes off the board. So it's going to be – it's as unpredictable. I've covered the draft since 2008. It's as unpredictable as I've ever seen it. Yeah, I, and that's uh, what's going to make it so interesting tonight when we get going. Uh, you know, we mentioned the Winnipeg kid, Denton Matejchuk. We've also got two members of the Winnipeg Ice that expect to hear their names called in the first round, Matthew Savoy and Connor Geeky. Um, you know, I was looking at your mock. You guys both have Savoy going nine. Is it a pretty safe bet? You think he'll be in and around the top ten? And uh, what do you make of Geeky, who, to your point, some people have as a top ten pick and other people have, uh, you know, maybe being available in the 20s? Yeah, I'm I'm one of the I'm more in the latter category. I have Geeky going uh, to Anaheim at, at uh, down their second pick at number twenty two. I really question the skating. And, and some people, you know, we talked to John Williams, who scouts the Western Hockey League for uh, NHL Central Scouting, and he's a believer in Geeky. He said the skating is good enough right now for him to play. I I see a guy who who still needs to get a little bit stronger in the lower body. If he does. He has a chance to be a really stud player because you see every every other element to his game. And look, and I say his skating might be a little bit lacking. He still scored 70 points in the Western Hockey League. So he's still a really good player. I think if he can get the skating up to equal the other elements of his game, they're already really good. You've got a guy who could be top uh, top two center, who can be a really dominant physical force because he's got the size. He's got the strength. He's got the shot. If he can just get the skating to be a little bit better, where he can keep up with the NHL pace on a consistent basis, you know, he's gonna he has a chance to make teams look really bad if he lasts to where I think he's gonna last to. And what about Savoy? Savoy, I mean, you want to talk about skating? You know, guy looks like he's got rockets on his on his skate sometimes. You know, just the dazzling offensive skill set. You know, we talked to Dan Marr and he said. He called Savoy maybe the most natural scorer in the draft class. So you watch what he's able to do, the way he's able to use that speed as a weapon. I love him to Buffalo because you look at what they've done, the way they've built out that top four on defense, if you project it with Power, Samuelson, Darlene, and Yokiharu right now. You know, you look at what they've added up front with Jack Quinn and, and J.J. Paterka. It looks like he's ready to be a, a full-time NHL guy. You look, Then you add the, uh, uh, Matt Savoy in a year or two, Geez, that's a, you know, suddenly you're talking about the Buffalo Sabres. You're not talking about playoff drafts anymore. You're talking about a scary young team that has a chance to be good for a long, long time. And you had, you know, with a Matt, with a guy like Matt Savoy with that skill set, I think that's something really fun to build around. And you see what the Sabres are doing. You know, again, they're a team with a lot of picks this year in the draft. They've got three in the first round. They have a chance to be really creative and really impact their organization and impact their prospect pipeline here for years to come. Adam Kimmelman of NHL.com is with us, folks. Check out the mock draft before the picks go off at NHL.com. And Adam, you've got the Winnipeg Jets at 14 taking Marco Casper. And Casper's an interesting player. I've been doing some reading on him the last few days. Maybe a different sort of player than many of the guys that will be going in the top 10, but one that um, excites a lot of people. Tell us about Casper uh, and why you have him going to the Jets at 14. 
I just think, you know, he's a guy who can play in the middle or play on the wing. You know, he's athletic. He's already played against men in the Swedish Hockey League. He produced against men in the Swedish Hockey League. You know, and you wonder, you know, with Mark Scheifele, with Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, they had their own opinions about their futures when Winnipeg had their clear-out day a couple of months ago. So is it time to start looking at finding guys who can play up front, guys who can be, you know, potentially number one, number two center? Marco Casper looks like he's a guy who could fit that bill. You know, you just wait for him to continue to get a little bit stronger, develop a little bit more, get a little more ice time in the Swedish Hockey League. He's a guy who looks like if everything clicks, he's got the speed, he's got the skating, he's got the athleticism, the offensive tools. You know, all he needs is experience. And he's going to get it with a bigger role in, in the SHL next season. I don't see him as being too, too far away from being able to be an NHL guy and then eventually being an impact guy. Uh, it, yeah, he, that is a guy I think that will excite people once they see the way that he plays, because this is a guy that apparently is uh, always in the blue paint, uh, you know, doesn't mind taking a couple whacks to score a goal. And as you mentioned, has been doing it against men. Um, I, I just have to ask you, what are you hearing about hesitancy or reluctance to draft Russian players considering what's happening on the other side of the world right now? I think it's a team by team basis. I think some teams see it as, well, today's situation isn't going to necessarily be tomorrow's situation. You know, you look at the guy really that sort of is in the crosshairs there is Danila Yurov from Magnitogorsk. And he's, to me, he's a guy who isn't going to be ready to jump into an NHL lineup for two years anyway. And as we sit here, nobody can predict what the world's going to look like two years from now. So if you like the player and you're willing to have patience, maybe you take that shot at him. If you're a team that, isn't as willing to be as patient, isn't willing to deal with, you know, the public relations blowback from drafting a Russian player, maybe you let him slide. So he's going to be a very interesting guy because if all things are equal, he could, he's probably in the top 10 on a lot of teams draft boards, other team, but because of the situation being the situation, maybe he might be off the board completely, or he might be a guy that you have a team with multiple first round picks Maybe you take a swing at it and you hope you hit a home run. You know, you look at, you know, Buffalo has three in the first. Arizona has three in the first. You look at the teams that have two in the first. You, you know, you, you think you got a sure thing maybe with your first pick down, you know, in that bottom 10 picks of the first round. Maybe you take a swing at it and you hope you hit something. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see how that works out. Of course, the Jets have one of those picks in that bottom 10 with their second selection of the first round at number 30. Just on the way out, Adam, and thanks so much for doing this. This has been awesome. I know you spent so much time talking about these prospects and getting ready for tonight. Is there a player or two that you're particularly high on that maybe most others aren't that you think will provide great value tonight? And uh, fans should be happy if they hear their team pick them maybe mid or later on in the first round. So one of the guys I really kind of you know, you just spend time around these kids and you learn their stories. You kind of not pick favorites, but guys that you're really intrigued by. And Maverick Lamoureux, the, the big defenseman from Drummondville, six foot seven, right-handed shot, but he's only 199 pounds. That's what he weighed in at the combine. So there's a lot of work to be done physically on him. He's a big, rangy, strong kid. And you hope that, and, and he skates really well. Like you wouldn't think a six foot seven kid can skate the way he can skate. And he can make plays with the puck in ways that he looks like he's a six foot one guy. So you wonder, can he get stronger? Can he fill out? You know, I did a big piece with him on NHL.com where I talked to his trainer, 
talked to the nutritionist he's working with, talked about the meal plans that he's on, how he's, you know, focused on building up his upper body strength and he's eating right. And he's kind of, you know, calories in versus calories. out. was a really interesting piece, but he's a guy that, you know, six foot seven, right-handed shot. That's a unicorn to me. I think there's only been three that have ever been, two of them ever been drafted into the NHL. Sounds like Tyler, Logan Stanley here in the peg. That Tyler Myers was the most recent one. So, you know, I think he's going to go early. I don't know if he's a first round guy because this, there are some questions about his decision-making and there are some teams that have questions if, if he can fill out the play. You know, it's one thing to be physical and be mean and nasty in the Quebec League against 17 and 16-year-olds. It's another to do it in the NHL. And he understands that. He understands he has to get bigger. He understands he has to get stronger. But there's a question of if he can physically do it and if he can do it, if he can do it while staying mobile and agile and athletic. But if he can put all those pieces together, man, a six foot seven right-handed guy who can skate, that has a chance to be really, really special. So he's a guy I'm really intrigued to see what happens with him, either if he goes Thursday or if he goes early in the second round. Adam, thanks so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. I know how busy you guys are. Enjoy the first round. Love the mock, and uh, hopefully we can do this again maybe later on in the summer after all the dust is settled from this week in Montreal and, of course, next week's free agency. Yeah, we'll be getting ready for the 23 draft at the same time. <laughs> appreciate you. Have a great weekend. Thanks. All right, great stuff from Adam Kimmelman. I couldn't help but looking at the chat. The minute someone mentioned six seven in this uh, in this show, um, we know where everyone goes in the chat. Um, oh, anyways, great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you go. You go. I'll chime in after. <laughs> sorry, okay. sorry, sorry. You said six seven. You said I, I six know. seven draft prospect, and I'm yeah, like, it, it's just. I mean, it's the it's a trigger warning for half the people that are joining us half the time here. It's <laughs> like the text. It's like text etiquette. It's like the. F- Jokes are flying right now. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Um, hey, listen, don't forget, huge bomber game on Saturday against the British Columbia Lions. We will hit that tomorrow, um, although they'll, probably the majority of the show is going to be in and around what happens tonight in the National Hockey League and, of course, heading into uh, rounds two through seven tomorrow on the program. Uh, but a week from tomorrow, bombers are back at home. Make sure you not only get your tickets for the game, uh, but plan to get out there early and join the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone. Um, cheap beers, hot dogs, pop, great entertainment with my guy DJ Finesse, and some great prizes from the Princess Auto team as well. So bring the entire family. Princess Auto Tailgate Zone before every bomber game is the place to be. And of course, the Princess Auto proud sponsors the Gold Eyes Bombers, Winnipeg Sports Talk as well, and the spot where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road and Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And hey, speaking of that bomber game next weekend, if you haven't already tried the great taste of the ready-to-drink Canadian Club and ginger ale cocktail, it will be there. Saw plenty of Bomber fans trying it and enjoying it last week. Uh, you'll be able to get that as well as all the great Canadian club products and bean products at the uh, at the stadium because, of course, they are the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But in the meantime, for this weekend, pop by your local beer store, grab the CC and Ginger or your local Manitoba Liquor Marts and make it a Canadian club weekend. 
All right. Um, hey, if you're looking for a great spot to watch the game tonight, I mean, BP might be that spot. I know, obviously, for the big games they put the sound on, might be able to lean on your bartender to uh, get the sound for the draft up. They will, it'll, you'll certainly want to be listening as well as watching tonight. Um, and while you're at BP, whether you're patioing after work or in the evening, check out their great new summer menu. Uh, new pulled pork or the uh, carnitas, tacos, pizza, and pizza flights are back as well. And hey, if you're staying at home tonight watching the draft, check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, we are going to get to the cool bet lines for the draft tonight before we finish up. But let's get Remus back in here. And uh, man, it's been an awesome show. Thanks to everyone that's come out. Especially if you're new, mentioned this a couple times, but people are in and out. Hit that red subscribe button if you haven't. Uh, we are here Monday to Friday, 1 o'clock Central. We're live. We've seen a huge boost in the channel over the last month or so, and we really do appreciate it. And if you can't always join us on YouTube, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get it. Uh, we usually finish up around this time, and it's loaded just in time for your ride home in and around 3.30. Yeah, I'm just here, Hus, reading about um, this six foot seven defensive prospect that Adam mentioned, uh, Maverick Lamru. Uh, I mean, he's ranked like Bob McKenzie has him 44th, McKean's 58th, Craig Button 56th. You think someone will trade up into the first round to take a stab at this guy, six seven defenseman? Well, well, let's say this. Let's let's put right now a, an over under. Yeah. Um, and and let well, let's go. So the highest the highest selection he was was forty fourth on uh, that list. Uh, sorry, what's FC Hockey? Um, they have him at thirty nine. That's is that Elite Prospects? Thirty nine. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure, but regardless, okay. Well, let's go with top half of the second round 44 and a half that'll be the over under on uh, on the big 67 defenseman 67 199 i think um, i think teams they just can't resist tantalizing the potential you have you could be the well, next the chara can skate. the you guy can skate the guy can skate and be the next chara that's all you need yeah. to know <laughs> oh his name's maverick has top gun like just came out it's the hottest movie. <laughs> That's got to be worth at least 10 spots higher just, just for that. Think of, think of the marketing opportunities you have here. I'm already <laughs> picturing the graphics when they draft them. You put like a plane, a jacket. I'm excited. I want to see. Now I'm really excited for day two. Day two um, starts at, at like 10. That's what I have. I got the, uh, so the Jets had the schedule. We didn't even talk about it today, but. You can add the schedule to your iPhone calendar and it just automatically has all the stuff in. Oh, good. Well, I'll be I'll be making a point of doing that. Um, hey, well, you know what? While we're talking about before we get to the uh, before we get to it, um, yeah, you mentioned that that schedule, and I know we kind of looked at some of the dates right off the bat. Uh, the promotional nights and giveaways mm-hmm. uh, are, are have been announced as well. Um, nice to see a Filipino heritage night added. Um, yeah. you know, I know there's been some other heritage nights. I mean, I have no idea why teams waited so long to do this. You want to talk about a no brainer in Winnipeg. We've got an incredible Filipino community that, um, you know, are incredible sports fans as well. Um, so I think that'll be a great addition to it. Um, of course we've got the hockey fights cancer. Um, the nineties night, I've already gotten a few tweets on this. You know, we've been supporters of the fanny pack, uh, a fanny pack giveaway to the first 5,000 fans for 90s night on November 21st. You heard me correctly. Who are they playing? Uh, Do we know? 
Let's get the list. I think uh, I do have here, it. I'll, I just got to go I'll put to out the, the video. We can November go 21st. For... Monday, November 21st against the Hurricanes is 90s night with the Fanny Pack giveaway. Will they be wearing the 90s jerseys? Is that is that a hint of the new third jersey that's coming out? Oh, man. Oh, I'm, wow. I'm salivating here. Whoa. Maybe, maybe you're on to something. Whoa. Maybe you're on to something. Uh, of course, the Armed Forces Night, Hockey Talks, another new uh, initiative by the team, the South Asian Heritage Night. That is great. I mean, a huge and growing South Asian community in Winnipeg. Um, you want to get more people involved. Maybe if they hadn't seen a game before, come out for that night. That should be great. Uh, the next-gen game was actually one of the coolest things that they did last year with the kids that were taking part in a whole bunch of the jobs for it. I mean, to me, that was one of the best promos that the team's done in a long, long time. Um, so that's back on February 26th. That's an afternoon game against the New York Islanders. Um, you've got the Black History Night, the Wasack Night as well. Kyle Connor is the bobblehead, Remus. Monday, March 6th, San Jose Sharks. Uh, I'd imagine that just on account that it's the KFC bobblehead night, that will be a high pick in everybody's uh, season ticket drafts. Um, you've got the gender equality game, pride night, fan appreciation night at the end of the season as well. Um, but as I said, I'm picking, if I'm, if I'm on the clock with the season ticket pick, I'm picking Tuesday, December 6th, Florida Panthers, the return of Paul Maurice. That that's going to be, um, it'll be quite a night and, uh, it only might be surpassed by the, uh, the game day press conferences by both coaches, but especially the one from the visitors' oh. locker room. Okay, my what about the 9 p.m. Saturday game against Chicago? That's the uh, what South Asian Heritage Night. That would be that's up there for me. That, but that that that's the 9 p.m. game, isn't? I think so. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it, isn't I think it? you're right. Someone I was, think you're right. I'm pretty pretty sure it is. But um, as far as the schedule goes, you know the TV schedule also comes out. I saw a tweet. From Ryan Pike, and he is with, I think Oilers Nation, Flames Nation, Flame, Flames Nation. Flames sorry, Nation. Sports, hey, sorry. Don't don't confuse well, sorry. that. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, so he had Sportsnet's national schedule here. Okay, Toronto, forty games. What do we have? Here, I'll bring it on the screen here for YouTubers. Uh, Montreal, thirty-two games. Ottawa, twenty-six games. Vancouver, twenty-four games. Calgary. 23 games, Edmonton 22, Winnipeg 21. And I was going to be like, oh man, my first thought is, man, Jets fans really getting the shaft here, not getting on national TV. But then I remember how much Jets fans love the TSN broadcast. Now we don't know who the play-by-play -play voice is, it's not going to be Dennis Beck, but I know, love Dennis and Sarah and Kevin on, on the TSN broadcast. So this is actually a bonus that we get more Local broadcasts. Yeah. When the Jets the are teams. on national TV, it's usually with the D team, um, you know, on the road somewhere. Um, so it is. How about Ottawa being third, though? Um, I guess yeah. that maybe is just on account of being in the East. I mean, it'll be most of the games that they'll be on national TV will be going up against Montreal or Toronto, I'd imagine. And that's why they're up as high as they are. Uh, once again, the West second-class citizens when it comes to the national broadcaster. Uh, Winnipeg to Vancouver, 21 to 24 games, and the Leafs, 40. Uh, but, uh, hey, it's the biggest market. I get it. I mean, they're uh, 
they're trying to do whatever they can not to lose millions and millions of dollars each year, and uh, it helps them advertising-wise when they put the buds on the tube. Yeah, 40. Well, you almost feel bad for Toronto getting so many national games because I feel like here in Winnipeg, we got, you know, developed such an attachment to Dennis Bayak and the local broadcast. Toronto really doesn't have a local broadcast at all. Like, who's their, like, half their games are on TSN, half, you know, sometimes it's Cuthbert, sometimes Miller, but I don't feel like you associate, those are national voices. You don't associate them with the Maple Leaf. So I kind of like it. Now, maybe we'll get screwed. We're not going to get any 6 p.m. You know, I'm not, we don't get 6 p.m. every Saturday. 7 p.m. like like we've Toronto got a 9 does. p.m. Saturday yeah, game. That's we get a home we, game at nine o'clock. That's all you need to know. We get the 9 p.m. Saturday, but um, so but I I I mean I, everyone I think in chat would prefer the TSM broadcast where they're much more familiar with the players because they see them every day. When you know when you have when do you think when do you think we'll find out who the new guy is? You know, I don't have any insider information on that. Well, I mean, we've talked about some of the names that have been thrown around, but I mean, much like, I mean, you can't say who the guy is until they know who it is. And, you know, I'm not sure that it's done when's yet. It, when's it going to be? I mean, we've already, so we got our like Jets offseason checklist. Like we got the draft. Like when is the, uh, when is Jets play by play watch? We need to start because <laughs> people come in here and ask all the time. Have they announced it? Who's it going to be? Listen, I think we need to get shoes, big shoes. We got to start texting. DT taken over for Bob in the OB booth, and now who's ever going to be taking over uh, the TSN booth for Dennis Beck is certainly going to have some big shoes to fill. Who's it going to be? It's going to be crazy. Um, again, it's what a transition here with Bob Irving to DT and now Dennis. What a situation. What yeah, a what, situation. yeah what, a, what a situation. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get to the cool bet lines before we finish up the program. And uh, you can still get it up. And this is interesting. I mean, when I was in Vegas doing the uh, shows there for the NFL draft, most of the bets were off the board on the day of the draft. That's not the case right now, certainly for cool bet in the NHL draft. And we've seen some significant line movement. I mean, just earlier today, it was minus 333 for Shane Wright. Um, now it's down to minus 225. So I think some of the rumblings that maybe he won't be the number one pick are getting a little bit louder. Uh, Slavkovsky plus 150 for the number one pick and Logan Cooley 15 to one for the number one pick. Second overall uh, is likely to be Slavkovsky if, if, of course, Wright goes number one. Um, Wright plus 250 to be second overall. And... Tell you what, it was very interesting hearing what Berwicki had to say about the potential of a right slide. Um, Wright's plus 550 to be third and 25 to one to be the fourth overall pick. Um, and then, of course, you've got things like total forwards drafted in the first round, total defensemen, and then over-unders for a number of the players that are scheduled to go in the first round. I'll just pick a couple of them for you. Connor Geeky. Of the Winnipeg Ice, Strathclair, Manitoba. His over-under is 13. Uh, you know who's picking at 14? That's the Winnipeg Jets right <laughs> there tough. in that mix. So that's that's, that's quite interesting, and he certainly will be a guy to watch. Um, uh, the other Manitoban, Denton Matejchuk, who Button had going to the Jets at 30. His number is 20 and a half, so certainly by the numbers, probably unlikely that he'd be, be there for the Winnipeg Jets. And Matt Savoy is at eight and a half is the number, although the over, which would mean nine or later, is minus 250. Ah, oh, listen, I'm a huge Matt Savoy fan. If there would be a way that he could slide to the Winnipeg Jets, that would be a hell of a turnout for that uh, that that pick at um, 
That pick of 14. Of course, Owen Pickering as well. He's at 18 and a half. So we could have a number of Manitobans go in the first round. Wishing all those young men luck, whether they're going in the first round or on day number two. Uh, and I'll tell you what, Reem, tomorrow is going to be quite the uh, quite the day. Uh, because we'll be following picks all day long. We'll get on live at uh, 1 o'clock. And um, I'd imagine there might be some trades as well. And who knows, if something happens crazy, we might even go on early. So it's a good reminder, folks, to uh, particularly those oh. of you on YouTube, subscribe and turn your notifications on. If something crazy does happen, we always have the ability to go on earlier. But as of right now, still scheduled to start tomorrow's show at 1 p.m. Yeah, if something's crazy, then I could see us going on early. But in terms of crazy, we've all those eyes on the Blackhawks and Frank Saravalli before we go. We have a train to announce. Oh, yes. Let's go. Let's go. I always right. like when I hear these live, live on the air. Here it is, live on the air. I'm doing the transition. Big suspense here. We're building it up. Sources say the Blackhawks are working on a deal to send Dabrinkia to the Sens. And he says the, the Blackhawks are getting the seventh and the 39th overall from Ottawa. Whoa. Pierre Dorian. Making Whoa. a splash. Man, watch over the Sands. Might have to bump their national TV games. Watch over yeah. them. <laughs> Maybe that's why they uh, they were ahead of all the Western teams. They knew Debrinkat was going to uh, the nation's capital. Well, everyone knew that the Blackhawks were doing their best to try to get into the top, uh, get back into the first round after trading their pick to CBJ and the Jones deal. Um, and wow, 7-39 and 39 for Alex Debrinkat. A major impact player, two-time 40-goal scorer going to the Senators. Um, now, if uh, this is a huge win for the Sens if they can ink him long-term. We always know that that sometimes is easier said than done. Uh, but he'll be getting paid. They'll work something out. And uh, an interesting calculated risk by Pierre Dorian and the Ottawa Senators um, getting Alex to brink at today. So that is certainly is a big trade right now. And one of the dominoes that we figured would drop heading into round number one. Yeah, you really like what the Sens have built with all their top picks the last uh, last couple of years. Uh, Stutzla, uh, Norris had a breakout season from the Carlson trade. Batherson uh, had a huge year as well. So I mean, they're in a, you know Shabbat. He was hurt last year, but um, watch over the Sens. I think I agree. I think they're. I don't know if they're going to be in the playoffs. I haven't really. We don't know what their final roster is going to be, but I mean that adds a nice what thirty goal scorer. Uh, that's that's a big move, big move for them. Uh, what Brady Kachuk? Let me bring up. Let me bring up their lines. Is Daily Faceoff now? Do they have update their lines on their site like right as soon as Frank? <laughs> yeah, Frank, I, I'm not. I'm not Frank, sure. There's been there's no morning skate for the Sens today or afternoon skate. We don't know where he's going to be fitting in right now. I'm sure Cap Friendly will have him in there. Um, that being said, by the way, just back to uh, back to Coolbet. Hit the uh, if you never used Coolbet before, use the promo code WST. We'll give you a 100% deposit up to two hun on your first deposit for uh, whatever you want to wager on. But of course, those uh, lines for the NHL draft are up right now. Not too sure how late they'll be off. Often they'll come off the board a little earlier than it would be for, for instance, a game starting at a particular time but you can check that over at CoolBet. All right, well, big draft tonight. As I mentioned, I'm going to be jumping on with the IC guys for a while this evening as well, uh, in between 6 and 7. So check that out, and uh, come back and join us tomorrow. 
Full recap of round one, the latest from rounds two through seven, and uh, everything else from the NHL draft. And, of course, we'll get ready for the game of the year so far in the Canadian Football League. That, of course, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the British Columbia Lions Saturday at 6 p.m. Thanks to Adam Kimmelman and Brandon Wiki for joining us. And thanks to everyone that jumped in today uh, here live on YouTube. Great turnout. And, of course, everyone listening at home on the podcast. Folks, have a great night. Enjoy round one. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 p.m., potentially earlier. Turn those notifications on right here on WST. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.